This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. This is AMI Audio Live, bringing community events closer to you. Good afternoon, Canada, or good morning, depending on where you are joining us from today, from coast to coast to coast. Welcome to the historic Ottawa Curling Club and the final of the Canadian Vision Impaired Curling Championships on AMI. Today's final between Alberta, led by Skip Natalie Moran, and Team Canada Nova Scotia with Skip Louise Gillis. I'm Jim Van Horn, along with my sidekick, Dave Brown. It's great to have you with us today, and David, if... uh, Today's final is going to be anything like the curling we've seen earlier today and this week. We are in for an outstanding curling game. What a semifinal we were a witness to earlier this morning as Team Manitoba and Team Canada, the defending champions, went broom to broom and went all the way down to basically the last rocks of the eighth end before Team Canada pulled out the victory. Uh, not without its drama, as Team Canada stormed up to a 7 nothing lead early on, and Team Manitoba ground and ground and ground, but eventually Team Canada, the defending champions, booked their ticket into this final game this afternoon. It was interesting to watch the comeback by Team Manitoba because you would have thought that any team that got down 7 nothing early in a match like the one we saw probably would have thrown in the towel, but there was no quit with the Manitobans. They fought back, and uh, I thought they played a brilliant game to, to make a really, really close contest of it. We had the privilege of watching the game with the members of Team Alberta, the other side of the final today, and uh, you could tell they were watching the game with a certain intentness to see what was going on, and knowing that Manitoba was the only team to have dealt Team Alberta their loss all year, you could tell they had revenge on mind, but uh, this Team Canada team, also excellent defending champions, not unf- unfamiliar territory for them as they played in the semifinals last as well in a very tightly contested game before going on to beat Ontario in the finals. So this is not unfamiliar territory for the defending champions representing Nova Scotia. We're still a few minutes away from the start of this final match. So uh, and Team Canada is just completing its warm-ups for uh, for the upcoming. Uh uh, event, but let, let's talk about uh, uh, impaired curling for impaired impaired sighted curling or blind curling. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's it's basically the same as full sighted curling, but there are a few rule differences that uh, that are included to make it uh, a more fair competition for the for the players. Well, you'll see a couple of adaptations along the way. You'll see a couple of different uh, technologies used to ensure that individuals who are either totally blind or vision impaired have some cues to find out where their rock is going. So a guide. Uh, may help them work their way up and down the ice to avoid rocks and to help them get from one end to the other. And coaches are, of course, uh, able to communicate uh, what kind of shots they're going to be looking for in conjunction uh, with the skips. And the other thing you'll see is the technological uh, uh, cues they're going to use here. Some brooms have uh, large flashing lights, others have smaller flashing lights, or some folks will use vocal cues as the curler is releasing their rock and maybe just saying their name, Mary. Mary, Mary, Mary. You'll hear that a couple times with a Team Canada, Nova Scotia today uh, as, they're, uh, making, as they're making their shot occur. But otherwise, a lot of the fundamental rules of the game, the way it's scored, the way in which a hammer is decided, and the way in which uh, points are scored are pretty much the same. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not unlike uh, regular curling. And uh, it, this is my first exposure to, uh, to blind curling. And I must say that the quality of this game is second to none. Some of the shots that we saw today during the semifinal were really, really remarkable. Mm-hmm. It speaks to the touch that goes into being a great curler. We saw Louise Gillis when the uh, chips were down late in the game as Manitoba was surging back, hit a couple incredible 
incredible draws to the button that ended up sinking Manitoba's chances in the tournament in the uh, en route to the championship. So you see that that's a matter of, of repetition. It's also a matter of confidence because the ice surface, although incredible here at the Ottawa Curling Club, obviously with every grooming and every cleaning, things change just a little bit. So working on getting your weight just right as the game progresses speaks to that, that muscle, that muscle memory, the repetition, but also the skill level and and trust in yourself to make sure you put your shot on the pin. Yeah, it's it's interesting to watch uh, watch them play with the uh, the equipment that they use as well. Some of them use a uh, a curling stick delivery stick, mm-hmm. which has a little uh, appendage on the end that holds onto the rock, and they have to release it before they get to the hack and, and uh, or before they get to the tow line. Uh, others use the, the traditional broom. You'll see uh, individuals curling the traditional way down on the knee and sliding along with the room. Others, uh, including a uh, the skip for Team Canada, Louise Gillis, walks the stone up to the line mm-hmm. and then releases it with her stick. But uh, I haven't seen uh, a, an athlete of the caliber of Gillis using a stick like that to, 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 to determine her weight. Mm-hmm. I mean, the weight of the stone that she throws is incredible. Time after time, she was getting it close, to, if not on the button, uh, every time she was throwing a rock today. And that's what speaks to the importance of this warm-up as well. With with Louise Gillis and Team Canada starting the, the morning on sheet number two, the championship being played on sheet number four here. Now, all the teams have had an opportunity to play on all these sheets all week long, but now we have an opportunity to get, to get that practice in here, to only get a couple of rocks going each way, but just to get some sense of what's going on and how to make sure you're using that delivery stick to make sure your angles and weight are right on the pin. Even that ability to get it to curl properly when using one of those sticks oh, yeah. really fascinates me, the physics behind that. Uh, I, even sitting up here watching uh, the, the semifinal earlier today with some of the fans who have been uh, watching the game uh, and commenting on their own about the game. Too. I learned so much mm-hmm. just listening to, uh, to, the, to the curling fans up here. It's, it's, it's really been an education. Let's talk about this, this curl Curling Club for a bit, the oh. Ottawa Curling Club. Uh, it is an historic building. Uh, it's located uh, uh, in O'Connor Street in the Centertown neighborhood of Ottawa uh, here in the nation's capital. It's the oldest curling club in Ottawa. It was established back in 1851. Incredible. By Alan Gilmore, and it was at that time, it was called the Bytown Curling Club. And there have been some uh, fine curlers that have come out of this building. Including uh, Team Holman, who represented Canada at the most recent Olympic Games, a, a team that has won uh, Scotty's championships along the way, and uh, and one that we've actually had the opportunity to watch a few of their players practice in one of the uh, sheets uh, earlier today on sheet number three. So it's actually pretty cool to see that that kind of uh, legacy, not just for the history of the club, but that it's still played out in modern times as well. Exactly, and the, watching these women practice today is like watching poetry on mm-hmm. the, just The movement is is remarkable. When the the curling club was originally established they used to play on the Rideau Canal back in <laughs> 1858 and if it wasn't snowing here today they could be playing there right now because it certainly is cold enough here today it's a wintry day it seems yeah. like an appropriate day to be a part of a curling championship as uh, ma- many parts of Canada are bracing themselves for either a large snowstorm or recovering from one that came through yeah the east is certainly uh, certainly in the throes of uh, major winter storms uh, this weekend uh, but uh, that's that's something that we have to expect um, it was 1916 when uh, the uh, curling club finally decided to uh, to get off the river or off the canal and indoors to uh, to play here at the curling club and this is where they have been since 1916 uh they expanded the uh, curling club itself to include five sheets of ice 
uh, there were it is today in uh, 1931. Um, and in 1998 and 1999, former club member, we've mentioned some of the great curlers that have come out of this building. John Morris won the uh, Junior Men's World Curling Championship. Uh, and the Ottawa Club is one of the two clubs in downtown Ottawa. The other, of course, the Rideau Curling Club, which maintains the traditional rivalry with this curling club. But uh, a great history of curling in the nation's capital. Jim, when you say historic, it's not just in the age of the building in, or in the way that we talk about it. It's as you take every step around this building, you feel the creaks of the wood under your feet. Oh, yeah. And you know that you're walking the paths of great individuals before you. Uh, to know there have been probably plenty of business meeting and plenty of, plenty of social occasion and plenty of competitive game, whether it be in the Friday Night Beer League or whether it be uh, literally people working their ways towards the t- upper echelons of Canadian curling. Those moments have occurred in this building over the course of over 150 years. The banners, the trophies, the pictures, uh, everything, the woodwork. It's, it's like walking into a library, almost like walking into a museum. Mm-hmm. This is such a fascinating building and uh, just a wonderful place to visit, even if you're not a curler, because it, uh, it it really does have a sense of history. You say that the building itself is essentially a historical document, and they're almost out of wall space as you work your way around, as you go up, to, up the stairs and down into the, down into the lounge. They are basically out of room for banners and pictures of all the great curlers and championships that have come out of here. And it's, it's worth noting that part of that history is the Canadian Vision Impaired Curling Championship. Mm-hmm. I've been very lucky to be on site in some way, shape, or form every year since 2013. Uh, a few years with AMI-audio, collecting audio of a featured game of the day uh, and then interviewing some of the teams involved and bringing that to the audience the next day. A few times being able to do uh, television stories about some of the volunteers mm-hmm. who, uh, who make this work. Last year, we had a great live broadcast of the final game. I believe it was the first time we've done that in the AMI-audio family, a live broadcast of a, of, of a championship game for the, for the Ottawa Curling Club and the Canadian Vision Impaired Curling Championship. So it's a situation where... I feel the history and part of the history being told by this curling club now is being an ally and a friend of the Canadian Council of the Blind and this incredible curling championship, the 16th annual at this point. So uh, we talk about 150 years of the over 150 years of the club. We're talking about nearly two decades now Mm -hmm. since since the launch of this since the launch of this tournament. We are uh, continuing with a warm-up for Team Canada, uh, also Team Nova Scotia, because they are the defending champions. The defending champions get the moniker Team Canada. Uh, as uh, that continues, we are going to take a short break, and when we come back, we'll be that much closer to the start of this final of the uh, at the Ottawa Curling Club. We hope you can stay with us here on AMI. We'll take a break and come back right after this. Welcome back to the Ottawa Curling Club. We are coming to you live for the final of the Canadian Vision Impaired Curling Championship on AMI. I'm Jim Van Horn, along with Dave Brown. Uh, Team Canada from Nova Scotia as well is... uh, 
defending its title against Team Alberta. They are just completing, uh, Team Canada just completing its warm-up uh, to get ready for this uh, final game, giving everybody a, a fist bump as they head back to uh, replenish themselves and uh, and get set for this final. Team Canada is, is, is actually a, a bit of a surprise to be here in the mm-hmm. final today. They started the tournament off 0-2. On Tuesday, when the, when the tournament began, they lost to both Team Alberta and Team Manitoba, so all three of these teams uh, that found themselves uh, into the final three. And when you start a tournament like this, 0-2, and need to storm back to win all three games just to book themselves a ticket into a tiebreaker and then the eventual semifinals, that speaks to the way this Team Canada team uh, had to go to the tournament and go to the final last year where they played in the semifinals in a tight game until eventually winning the title. And Louise Gillis and this Team Nova Scotia team uh, under the moniker Team Canada this year, they've been, they'd been around the tournament for a long time before finally being able to break through and get that win last year. And that's something that Team Alberta is thinking about as well this year as a team that has a bit of experience. A few of the members of the team have been around for some time, have finished in second place, but have never taken home the big prize. So it speaks to the context of this game where you have one team that was really, really hungry last year and fought their way through. And now you wonder if that's going to be the same case for Team Alberta this year. Well, interestingly enough, Natalie Moore on the skip, she's been curling for over 40 years. She's been a skip for about 20 years, and she comes from a curling background. Her Mm. father, Roger, uh, whom she's very, very close with, is usually here with her, but uh, uh, Roger is not here because his wife uh, recently had a stroke. Uh, She's home recovering, and she's doing quite well, but uh, Roger didn't feel that it would be appropriate for him to uh, come all the way to Ottawa and uh, separate himself from his wife in her convalescence, which uh, is certainly understandable. Totally understand. But Absolutely. Natalie is is uh, a person who has been coming here for 10 years. She's never won the title uh, and is hoping that uh, this is going to be her lucky year. The teams have uh, just taken to the rink and uh, we're just about set to get underway. It is Team Canada in red against Team Alberta in blue and yellow. They're uh, provincial colors, of course, red and white, the uh, colors of Team Canada. And this is for the title and the big trophy of the Canadian Vision Impaired Curling Championships. And we're just about to get underway uh, looking at some of the members of the team uh, like Jim Hayden for Team Alberta who is part of this part of this experienced squad for Alberta as well who's been to the tournament for at least five years and has gone to the final a couple times still waiting for his first win as well. So there are a few of these members of Team Alberta who are experienced who know who know the context and know what and know what they're playing for and know what this game means, but uh, still waiting for that opportunity to get their first particular win. Looks like uh, Team Canada is getting prepared. And Mary Campbell. You hear that vocal cue for Mary Campbell as she releases her first stone? That was uh, Sidney Francis, the guide, who was uh, talking to her, and he leads her to the hog line when she releases the stone with that stick. The stone is on its way, uh, headed to the house. It's just crossing the hog line. And it comes up short, so Team Canada sets up a guard on the left side. That's one of those first shots, the, the, first shot, the first shot of a championship game. You almost have to think about what those butterflies must feel like. 
as you hear another vocal cue being offered to the lead, Lori, of Team Alberta. Again, that was more of a slapping of the ice versus versus a vocal cue like a name. Lori Heisert is the lead, and uh, that uh, stone came up well short and uh, actually went uh, off the rink, so it is a dead stone. It is uh, going to t- be taken out of play. That, again, goes back to maybe some of those butterflies and some of that adrenaline that the team is feeling here. Although Team Canada did have to play this morning, you wonder if in a certain way that settles, that settles the players and lets them, lets them get their head wrapped around uh, what they're doing today in terms of getting some of those butterflies out early in the day. Mary Campbell getting ready to throw her second rock for Team Canada. She's been curling for five years, five years as a lead. She walks up to the line and releases with the stick. Looks like a, a good weight on that stone. No sweeping. The sweepers are, are leaving it alone. Louise Gillis, the skip, is uh, watching the stone as it approaches the house. That's looking very, very nice. And that looks like it's in the four-foot circle, just touching the four-foot and the eight-foot. Just a wonderful shot putting Team Canada in a situation where they want to be early in the game, similar to what we saw this morning, where they stormed out to the 7-0 lead against Team Manitoba. The high cert releasing her second stone. Laurie is 44 years a curler. That one drifted to the right as well. Unfortunately, another dead stone. So un- unfortunately, high cert... Uh, not too much success with her first stones. Again, you talked about nerves, and that certainly could be a factor in this situation. It's it's a, a tremendous amount of pressure. We know the camaraderie amongst these teams is high, but we also know that bringing home a championship means a lot to these players who traveled all the way from Edmonton to take part in this in this tournament this week. So when you've come this far and you've had the success they've had in the round robin, you uh, you know you want to come home and get that win. But that again, that that buy we make I may come back to this a couple of times that we talk about it. Getting that buy is not always is not always the blessing that you think it might be. Louise Gillis lining up uh, Mike Vrooman's first rock. She is using a bright light, a bright LED light to show him, give him the target. And Vrooman, even though he is uh, slightly impaired with his vision, he can still see that light. And he walks up to the line and releases before the hog. The light is extinguished, pardon me. Sweepers are on the rock. Team Canada already has one in the house. Kissing the four-foot ring. And this stone looks like it is going to come up just to the 12-inch, and it is just kissing the 12-foot circle. So they have two rocks in play. Another opportunity for Team Canada to continue to keep throwing rocks at the house and getting them in. Once again, Jim, you're seeing... uh, a, fly, a, a, a light being used as a, as, a, as a visual cue for the next Alberta curler who just released their rock. Yes. That's James Hayden, the second for Team Alberta. A lot of weight on this stone as it comes into the house. He just kisses the lead stone of Team Canada, knocks it out of play, and he also slides out. So Team Canada still line one. 
there was a beautiful, beautiful draw on that shot as it started to the right of the tee line and worked its way to the left as it entered the house to make contact with one of those Team Canada stones. A very, very beautiful shot uh, to get to get uh, Team Alberta back in the mix here. So Mike Vrooman makes his way back to the house for his second shot. Mike Vrooman, a very, very successful curler. He, uh, for many years, was part of a Team Ontario team from Simcoe, Ontario, that went to the finals a number of times. And uh, Mike Vrooman is a multiple-time champion of this Canadian Vision Impaired Curling Championship. He's been curling for 10 years. One of his hobbies is attending his grandchildren's four, or his grandchildren's sporting events. He's got four grandkids. He, he says it's a full-time job. <laughs> that sounds that sounds about right to me. <laughs> Great thing about grandkids, you get to send them home. Yeah, right. <laughs> fill their pockets with candies. Go home. I've had enough. Mike Vrooman, much like uh, many of these curlers, a lot of a lot of the passion happened a little bit by happenstance. That someone encouraged them to say, "Come out and try," or "Hey, somebody's sick or somebody's hurt. Please, uh, please give this give this shot." And Mike Vrooman's one of those cases of someone who took right to the game and another beautiful shot right to the center of the house. Center of the house on the uh, eight foot, just kissing up to the first stone, which which is uh, on the four foot ring. Chance here for a double takeout mm-hmm. by Team Alberta. If with the, with the right weight, they can certainly hit one shot. They can certainly hit the rock that's right in the center of the house, and with the right bounce, they could potentially knock both out while still leaving themselves counting a point. This is a huge shot for Team Alberta. Good weight, it looks like, but it's curling left. He gets the lead stone, takes himself out of play, but again. Team Canada with a rock in play, just kissing the four-foot ring. If you were to be looking at a clock, it would essentially be right at 6 o'clock on that four-foot ring. Actually, 6.33. 6.33. A hair past 6.30. Looks like Team Canada looking for a shot going a little bit to the right end of the house here, looking at about uh, 3 o'clock. As Jim Simmons with his first rock. He's been a, a veteran curler 18 years in the game. First year as vice. Starting to curl to the left as it re- approaches the house. He's got there sweeping it up. And he hits the 12-foot and is just kissing the 8-foot on the center line. So there's enough space between the shot rock and the second stone that's going to make uh, uh, make it difficult for a double takeout here. Mm -hmm. Looks like uh, Natalie Moran is in position looking for a takeout on that stone that's uh, sitting a little bit towards the outside at about uh, 6.29 on the clock. Bruce... Bruce has already released the shot. It's on its way down. It's curling. Lots of weight. And I don't think it's going to curl enough. Nope, it goes right through the house. It's one of those moments where you don't know if it was the the weight that was a little bit off or if the angle just wasn't quite right, but it was uh, just missing the stone they were aiming for by about, I'd say about a foot. About a foot, give or take. Uh, to my to my untrained eye. That was Bruce McDonald talking to his uh, team, and she said, "You missed it by about half an inch." 
Well, their eyes are better than mine, I suppose. <laughs> Second rock for Jim Simmons. Two in the house already for Team Canada. Taking that way out to the right. It's starting to curl back. Louise Gillis. The target is just at the top of the 12 foot. It kisses the 12 foot stone, touches onto the third, and now there are two stones in the 8 foot and one in the 12 foot. Three sitting for Team Canada. That's going to present a very difficult challenge for Alberta in terms of what they want to take out and whether or not they can still count anything even after taking out any of these stones. Well, that uh, the stone in the 12 foot is well to the right, and it's going to be a difficult shot for uh, Bruce McDonald to get to. Bruce wasted no time releasing that rock. Looks though. like he's going to have a direct hit, and he curls off. He knocks the lead stone out, and his stone rolls to the left to the 12 foot. It was a very, very forceful shot. It hit, it hit its mark uh, very firmly and very strongly. And as you mentioned, it did indeed stay in the house. So with the with the right strategy here, if those two stones that are sitting at about the six o'clock line could be knocked out by Team Alberta, they could actually find a way to steal a point here as this end as this as we dwindle or as this end uh, dwindles towards its end. Now Louise Gillis, the skip, making her way up the ice. Getting set for her sh- first shot. She'll be using the uh, curling release stick. As Sidney Francis, the guide, lines up the shot. He's got his broom to the right of the center line. About a foot and a half inside. He will stand there with the broom until Louise releases. She walks up, releases now, and up goes the broom, and there goes the stone. He actually has a little uh, laser pointer on that broom as well to create a mark even just a few feet in front of it to see where, where that target is for, for Louise Gillis to skip. Now they can use the laser light to point down to show where the target is, mm-hmm. but they can't use it as, as a targeting area for a long shot. And here's that shot from Gillis as it kisses the lead stone. Now they've got three stones in the eight-foot clustered into a triangle, it, it does present the possibility of a takeout if you clip right at the base of the triangle, but again, we're looking at a very, very precise, difficult shot, and it will be still, it'll still be tremendously difficult for Team Alberta to manage to get a score out of this. It's, it's almost the most they're looking to kind of clear out some of these points here as they get their last couple shots of the end. Two stones to the right of the center line, one of them kissing the forefoot, one of them in the center of the 12, and the third is in the center of the 12-foot or pardon me, the 8-foot, uh, just to the right of the center line. It's going to be a very difficult shot. It looks like they're orienting to the left of the cluster to potentially use the first shot of, of the two rocks uh, offered by their skip. Natalie Morin, the skip, we're getting ready for her first shot. She curls in the traditional sense, again sliding along the ice on her knee and releasing before the hog line. A lot of force on that stone. It's coming in heavy. It's almost hard for the sweepers to keep up with that one. Looks like it's going to be 
a straight-on hit, and Team Canada is still lying two. From our advantage point, it looks like Canada definitely is shot rock, and it looks like the second stone on the left in the middle of the 12 is also closer than the red. Yes, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's moderate at this point. It does present some questions for Louise Gillis here as she decides to throw her last stone of what she wants to do here, whether she wants to try and protect those two, those two stones that are counting or whether she decides that she might want to try and uh, draw around the cluster, uh, maybe working from either three, from about uh, four o'clock into the into the um, uh, into the middle, or if she wants to work from about eight o'clock uh, towards towards the button as well. I should mention all three stones are in the eight foot, not the twelve foot. My mistake. Here's the second stone for Team Skip Louise Gillis. She's taking a well out to the right. Looks like she's might be might be trying to set up a guard. Sweeping hard as it comes to the line. They're sweeping very hard trying to lay that down. Jim, yeah. you're right. It looks like it looks like at the very least she tried to lay down a guard. She did, and it's just to the right of the center line. The question is, is there enough room for Natalie Morin to go around and curl it in? Mm-hmm. It it presents the question, even though we're in the first end of the game. Do you go for the shot to try and score points for yourself here, or do you try and minimize the damage if you're Natalie Morin? Because of the fact that right now we have Team Canada counting two, it's certainly possible to hit one of those rocks and knock one out. The question is, do you try to maybe draw around that and go right for the button? How aggressive do you want to be here? Do you risk giving up two, or do you try to minimize the damage and stick to one? Well, we're about to find out. (laughs) We sure are. Natalie Moran, with her second rock, is just about ready. Just the way she releases that stone, you know that she's been around a curling ring for many, many years. Absolutely, the form is flawless. Taking that out to the left, it's curling back, comes to the house. And she knocked her own stone out, and uh, Team Canada with two in the house, scoring two over Team Alberta. So, Team Canada out to a quick, quick start with two in the first end over Team Alberta. They got off to a very quick start in the first end uh, with many rocks in the house. Alberta was very scrappy there. Let's take a moment, and we'll go to break. We'll be back with the 2020 Canadian Vision Impaired Curling Championship live from the Ottawa Curling Club. Welcome back to the Historic Ottawa Curling Club in the final of the Canadian Vision Impaired Curling Championship with Jim Van Horn and Dave Brown. Uh, first rock by Mary Campbell was thrown for Team Canada, and unfortunately it drifted out of bounds. And this is the set first rock of Lori Heisert, who just also threw, and her stone also uh, did not stay straight and uh, went out of bounds. So uh, two stones have been thrown in the second end. 
and Team Canada leading uh, two to nothing, but Alberta now has the hammer. So Mary Campbell getting ready for her second stone. She'll be, of course, uh, being guided by Sydney Francis, who will be uh, chanting her name until she reaches the hog line to release the stone. Not that we're uh, doing too much shot analytics here, but that's the third time uh, Lori Heisert has uh, had a shot drift to the right on her in the three rocks that she's thrown as uh, Mary Campbell gets gets ready to release her rock. And that's uh, Sydney Francis calling out Mary's name to let her know when she should be releasing. This time the stone looks like it is uh, curling and is going to be okay, but uh, the question is, will it reach the hog to get over to set up a guard? Her sweepers are working hard. The orange, the orange bottoms of the broom creating a bit of a disco party on the ice, and it looks <laughs> like it gets just over the line. It's just over the line to the... Uh, right of the center line as we are looking at the rink as the stones are coming towards us. <laughs> now they're testing our orientation, yeah, Jim, exactly. as, as the stones are coming towards us now. Lori Heisert with her second stone. This uh, one's also drifting to the right, although it looks like it's curling back to stay in play. That was a much better throw for Heisert, much better release. It's starting to curl towards the center line. Sweeper's trying to get it to the line, and it is going to come up just, just short a little of the bit hog, short, yeah. Unfortunately, so that stone is out of play. This is where uh, those butterflies and that adrenaline we talked about earlier, it's, it's, it's now difficult because at what point now are you overcorrecting? I'm sure there have been so many points in whatever sport you've played where something just doesn't feel right. It feels just a tinge off. And you're trying, and you're trying to correct. You're trying to correct, and next thing you know, you overcorrect, and you just have trouble finding your game again. Mike Vrooman using the uh, curling release stick, walking back to the house to uh, to get ready for his first shot. Louise Gillis setting up the target for him. She's lined up on the left side of the house as we look down from behind her. Mike Vrooman had a few spectacular shots in the first end. This one's curling beautifully. The sweepers have now put their brooms onto the onto the sheets. It's drifting right back to the middle, and the question is, does the does the power get the, to the house? And it looks like the weight is just about right. Into the twelve and kissing the eight foot circle is more in the eight foot. Then the 12 foot, and it's just to the right of the center line. Im- important to note, to the right of the, cent- of the to the center line, also sitting behind that guard that Mary Campbell left for them a little bit earlier. Although there's some distance between the two stones, there is some protection there for it if, if, if Team Alberta were to try a direct attack on that stone. Jim Hayden is the second for Team Alberta today. Uh, Dave Erno is normally the second, but... Uh, he is out with an injured foot. We're not going to tell you how he injured his foot, but uh, it might wear- be a little embarrassing if we mention that. But. There's so there's some wear and tear that yeah. occurs at a bond spiel like yeah. this. Full contact curling can take its toll. Beautiful shot drifting towards the center line here. Hayden's rock connects with the Team Canada rock. It slides to the 12-foot, and it is just out, but the Team Canada rock stays in play on the right side of the 12-foot. 
if you were looking at a clock, it would be about 3 o'clock. I know our, our orientation's a bit messed up right now, if, uh, <laughs> but if you were staring directly at the clock, it would be at about 3 Well, let's, let's call it... Uh, about 3.16. Go 3.16, okay. exactly. We're looking directly down from our vantage point on the house. This is uh, like when you hear the individuals on the radio calling the hockey game going left to right on your radio dial. <laughs> yes. So now the, uh, the, the rocks are coming directly at us. They're coming directly at you. If you were sitting where Jim and myself are sitting up here in the, uh, the bird's nest of the Ottawa Curling Club, the rocks are now traveling directly towards us. The house is directly beneath us. Jim Vrooman has his uh, curling stick delivery device ready. He's lined up and uh, following the direction of Louise Gillis, the skip. Another opportunity where he's starting to his right, our left, and looking to curl back to the center. It's starting to move. Sweepers are working hard. It's coming around. Again, the shot just draws so beautifully from his right to left as it makes its way into the house. So now there's two rocks, two stones in the 12-foot. One is on the center line, just left of the center line at the top of the house. The other is on the T line, just uh, at about 316. So two, sh- two rocks in play for Team Canada. Keep in mind, Alberta has the hammer. Again, forcing, forcing decisions, which I suppose typically happens in the situation where the other team has the hammer, that if you're leading off, you want to force them into making choices. At this point, Team Alberta needs to begin making choices about which stones they want to target, and it looks like they're targeting the stone that Vrooman just put into the house. Second rock for Jim Hayden, who is normally the coach, playing the second today, and he gets the hit right on the nose, and he is now... Looks like from our vantage point, he could be shot rock. That's one where we may need the measuring tape, but I agree with you, Jim. It looks like right now Team Alberta is holding shot rock. And uh, Team Alberta wasting no time between shots. They're playing, they're playing at a pretty impeccable pace. We're, we're definitely seeing, uh, we're seeing that uh, Team Canada, I don't know if it's a, matter, it's a matter of patience or if Alberta's just letting it rip a little bit, but it seems like Alberta's playing at a much faster pace right now than Team Canada. As the game goes along, we'll see their, their timings, uh, down, which, are, which are displayed downstairs in the, uh, in the lower lounge. So we'll keep an eye to see if they're saving time for strategy later in the game. Jim Simmons with his first rock, a direct hit on the Alberta Stone, takes it out of play, and once again, Team Canada with two rocks in play on the 12-foot, uh, but the... Stone at the top of the of the uh, of the house is directly behind the guard near the hog line. That's right. That that rock that that stone that Mary Campbell threw her second stone is still in play as a way to protect one of those as a way to protect one of those rocks. Really forcing Alberta if they want to take that rock out, they're going to have to draw. But there's so much room right now on what is our left, their right of the house. There's room for them to start taking shots right at the button. That uh, stone at the top of the 12 is still accessible. And here comes the stone from Bruce McDonald as it comes in. And it is, again, a missed opportunity as it goes right through the house. McDonald having trouble finding his weight. Just a little too heavy there and could not quite make the contact he was looking for. One of the situations, if maybe it had been thrown just a little bit softer, it would have had more time to do the curl that he was hoping for. Second stone now for 
Jim Simmons on its way. Two rocks in the house for Team Canada. Alberta with the hammer. Second end, Canada leads 2-0. Yes, yes, yes. Another shot that took its time to, to draw towards the center line. Louise Gillis directing traffic. Contact made. That second rock now just behind the T-line and the 8-foot. The uh, stone at 316 remains on the 12. There's also another Cat Team Canada stone just kissing oh. the 12-foot on the, t- on the center line. That's one that looks like it's uh, by, the, by the millimeters in terms, of, in terms of counting, but it is indeed uh, just touching the outer, the outer edge of the house. Here's Bruce McDonald's second stone. He's hoping that it's going to curl around and he might make contact with one of the Canadian rocks, and he does. Beautiful shot. He's uh, now on the tee in the 12-foot circle, but Canada still with shot rock. Still with shot rock, but definitely you've, you've now changed the situation from where Canada was counting three to Canada counting one, putting, putting things in the hands of Team Canada to decide what they want to do here and whether or not they want to use what would be the right side of the house to them, the left side of the house to us, uh, to, to try and use some of that space. But that was a wonderful, wonderful shot by Bruce McDonald. Well, here's Louise Gillis, the skip, getting ready for her first shot. And uh, if there's anyone that can put a, put a rock exactly where she wants it, it's this woman. Mm-hmm. She has got a very deft touch. As we talked about at the top of the broadcast, this team representing Nova Scotia, Team Canada, has been at this tournament basically every year since I've been here, and they'd always been around. They'd always been competing and and playing well, and last year they had their big breakthrough, finally winning that championship, and Louise Gillis is a huge part of that. And Louise's Rock is now curling in to the house, to the 12, to the 8, and just kisses her other teammates rock so they are sitting two now this does create a target in in the eight foot circle if if the alberta skip natalie moran can make the right contact here she can look for not just knocking out one of the team canada stones but potentially the right deflection to put one of her stones on the button exactly but there's a very narrow window, window of opportunity for her to make this shot work. First rock for Natalie Moran. These are the moments, though, when you've been coming to this tournament for over 10 years. And although it's still early in the game, these are the moments that allow you to rise to the occasion. And they can build momentum as well. Natalie, as we mentioned earlier, has been coming to this tournament for 10 years, has never won. It's a story not uncommon in, not uncommon in sports to be competitive and, and to sniff around the opportunity and not always strike the gold. Yeah, you get that uh, reputation as the best that's never won. Mm. It's coming. There's a lot of weight on this stone. It's curling to the left. And she, oh, she just kissed the Canada stone and moved it over, but not enough. And Canada's still lying too. There's 
there are choices here for Louise Gillis if she wants to continue to play to the cluster that they've created in the left side of the house for her or the right side of the house from our perspective she can do that but if she wants to she can also put Alberta in a very difficult situation where they're going to have to once again choose between minimizing the damage or trying to count for and try, or trying to try to steal a point. What I wouldn't be a bit surprised if we saw Gillis set up a guard just above the 12 foot on the right side of the house mm. and force Moran to go for the draw to the middle to the button. Or closer, or as close to the button as possible. Yes, absolutely. And that's, that, Jim, it looks like that's exactly what she did as that stone slides its way down the ice. It's across the hog. Is it, gonna, it's gonna, is it curling too much? It might even curl into the house here at this point. It is. Now she's into the eight foot. Now they're, now they're counting three. They are indeed counting three. Yes. But it once again offers Alberta Skip, Natalie Moran, the opportunity to draw in here, potentially get the right deflection, and not just, and not just minimize damage, but steal points. Uh, but certainly the, the window to get that turn and to get that deflection is going to be very difficult as that, as that one stone that Mary Campbell left right from the second shot of this end for Team Canada it does loom large in the sense that it means that Natalie Moran needs to put a very precise shot to try and get the stone that right now would be um, that right now would be shot rock. Second and final stone for Natalie Moran in the second end. Team Alberta trailing two nothing to Team Canada after one. Canada with three stones in the house, looking for a steal here. Rock's on its way. A lot of weights. It's already begun to curl to the center line. She's got to watch out for that stone at the hog line. She's by She's it. Has she got enough to skip and stick into the middle? Yes, she, she does. does. She does. Incredible shot That's by Natalie Moran. Great shot by Natalie Moran. Alberta picks up one. To trail two to one, that was a gutsy play by Moran. Absolutely, what an end. This is the Canadian Vision Impaired Curling Championship for 2020, coming to you live from the Ottawa Curling Club on AMI. We'll be right back. And Jim Van Horn and Dave Brown are at the Ottawa Curling Club for the Vision Impaired Curling Championship. We're into the third end. The first stone has been thrown by Lori Heisart of Team Alberta, and it bursted to the right out of bounds. And now it is uh, Mary Campbell's opportunity, the lead for Team Canada, with her first stone. We saw how her stone was uh, a, a critical piece in the second end until the very end. So we'll see if uh, Mary can land another shot into the house as the weight just seems to be a little too much as it goes past the back line. 
Uh, we saw we saw that entire that entire entire second end how critical having some of those guard rock how some critical some of those guard stones were in enforcing uh, just excellent shots by the skips down the uh, down the down the stretch. Lori Heiser getting ready for her second stone. Her guide Mandy Collins banging the ice to give her an indication of the target. Uh, this looks like a good stone. It is uh, moving to the right, but starting to curl back to the left. And the question is whether it has too much weight and may go through the house. They're not sweeping as the stone rolls to the house. Eight. Cross the tee. And Louise Gillis sweeps it, but it stays on the 12-foot circle behind the tee on the center, just to the right of the center line. That's a that's now officially a point that would be counting for Team Alberta. Definitely Lori Heisert's best shot of the day and uh, came just in time for Team Alberta as Mary Campbell gets ready to unleash her next rock. Sydney Francis, her guides, chanting her name as she moves forward and releases before the hog line. This one's starting off a little bit to the left and is continuing to drift to the left, but Starting well, to go. It's, it's uh, they pushed it through. It didn't have enough. It'll it'll especially go once it gets uh, <laughs> once it gets a little bit of help from uh, from the teammates. There is it did not have the weight to uh, to reach the hog line. Should mention that uh, both uh, Mary Campbell and Lori Heisart are blind. Uh, they are using guides to help them curl. This is Jim Hayden, the second, throwing his first stone for Alberta. Using the using the bright light to uh, catch Jim's attention, looking to uh, to mark towards the right side of the house. Tell you what, that LED light is very bright. It even works for me. Boy. And if it works for me, we know it can work for some of the curlers down there. Absolutely. Stone is uh, curling back to the center line. No, no sweeping here. They're just letting it letting it do its thing as it glides along. And it just gets by the stone at the back of the house. If that had it connected, it could have knocked both of them out. That would have been a, a dangerous, a dangerous shot. And uh, it certainly, as we're as we're watching, uh, as, as we're watching uh, Jim Hay- Jim Hayden uh, take these shots, knowing that he kind of uh, got tagged in here uh, as as the week unfolded due to an injury. Uh, you know that he's feeling that pressure on his on his back as well, knowing that he's trying to step in and impact uh, impact a team chemistry that's been very good for Alberta as as they were the winners of the round robin this week. Second, Mike Vrooman with his first rock. He walks up to the hog line before releasing. Vrooman is just so confident as he releases as he releases those rockets, and you see as he as he follows the rock down the ice yeah. as well to see to see his progress. Very confident in the way that he he works his way down the ice. And it's in the house, and it looks like it's going to go right through. Maybe yes, it, it does. It did go past the back line. I was I had to notice Vrooman uh, at the end of the second. And as he was sweeping one of the rocks, he worked so hard coming down the ice, he doubled over in agony as he finished sweeping. He was working really hard. You know, uh, a couple years ago, I was very fortunate to do an entire week of live broadcasts in the middle of the day. And I was talking to the sweepers about that. And usually by the end of the week, they are feeling the fatigue of playing imagine. two games a day. Jim Hayden chasing his stone as it makes its way up the ice. Has a lot of weight as it hits the house and goes through. Now he hits his 
the, the shot that was on the 12-foot, and that, uh, that rock stays in play on the 12-foot, the back of the house to the right of the tee line, or the center line, pardon me. Alberta still, still counting one here as we're a few uh, stones in to the third end. And, Jim, that, that's the thing we talk about, about, uh, about sometimes momentum and, and the opportunity for Team Canada to play this morning and maybe get some of the jitters out. Mm-hmm. But now you do wonder about some of the fatigue that goes in after playing so many games and uh, what that does to a team, knowing they had to really put a lot of effort in this morning after they were coasting uh, what looked to what was going to be an easy victory, uh, what turned out to be a very difficult game. And you wonder if they're just a little bit off balance now. Second rock for Mike Vrooman into the house. And it is right through the back right again. Right through the back, just barely over that uh, 12-foot line. There's a couple of times in a row now that they have not had to sweep at all for the shot by, by Mike Vrooman, and uh, it looks like maybe the weight's just a little bit off. Just Maybe some of those jitters are setting in now, or fatigue is setting in as the uh, game moves along. Bruce McDonald, the third, with his uh, first stone of the third end. Walking to the hog line with his release. Once again, Bruce wasting uh, no time before releasing that shot as uh, the the LED light was targeting where they wanted him to be shooting. He's had some trouble with his weight in the first couple of shots, but this one looks good. He's not sweeping it at all as he makes it to the house. Three, button. Pretty good shot. That is right on the button. The expression right on the button almost doesn't do it justice by how far <laughs> on the button that one lies. That one was a button down, a button down shirt, a button on a pair of jeans. I don't know what the number one button is, but that was <laughs> indeed on the button and immediately creating a target for Team Canada as that LED light has been shown directly next to that, that stone on the button. Third Jim Simmons, his first rock. Lots of weight on this one, starting to move to the center line, looking to take out that shot rock on the button, and it looks like he's going to get it and roll just over. He's still on the forefoot. That's right. That That's a very good shot, as now Team Canada is counting one. It, that's. I wonder if that's one of the things about curling, Jim. I know you've been around the game a little bit more often than I have. But almost getting that that rock and that stone onto the button so early in the end creates that very easy target, that very easy decision uh, for what the opponent is going to target throughout the rest of the end. Especially if you don't have any protection in front, if there are no Mm -hmm. guards, it uh, it makes it uh, just a, a prime target. It doesn't, it doesn't uh, minimize how impressive the shot is, no. but certainly it, it speaks to the way in which it offers the opponent some strategy. Spruce McDonald releases another one, wasting no time. There's a lot of weight on this one as well. And that is not moving enough, and that could take out his own rock. Yes, that's the danger, as both, as both red stones go deflect past the back line. As now Team Canada is counting one in the between the eight and the four at uh, about three at about three o'clock uh, about three o'clock on the clock. Uh, maybe uh, what would you say there? Uh, two two twenty nine. Yeah, it looks two twenty eight. I like I like our new system here, Jim. It you know it took us a couple ends, but we figured we figured it out. So we're, gotta get those seconds right. You know we're I mean? we're very precise people. We're journalists <laughs> sometimes. I've been called worse. <laughs> <laughs> 
Louise Gillis with the target, the LED light, right on the edge of the 8-foot and 12-foot circles in the house. Simmons, Jim Simmons with his second rock. They're looking to create a bit of that spread in the house now, make it more difficult for them to decide. But that, that rock is beginning to drift to the right. Trying to set up the guard. And it's just curled a little too far to the right. And it's slightly short of the house as well. But uh, it is it is impressive to, to watch the way that the rocks and stones move as they curl. As you see them starting to the left, it's like, it's like a golfer who hits that perfect draw mm-hmm. where you think, oh, no, that's going deep to the left. And next thing you know, it starts curling. It starts curling and moving its way to the right. Just There's, there's a certain, um, a beautiful form to the way in which they move down, move down the ice. Now, it seems to me, and I may be wrong in this one, it seems to me that the ice is starting to curl a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I would, I would agree with that. As we know, uh, there's been a lot of action on the ice this week. Uh, certainly the, 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 the maintenance individuals here at the Ottawa Curling Club do a fantastic job, but there's been, there's been uh, a game already played on Sheet 4 today uh, in one of the consolation games between the two Ontario teams. So certainly there's uh, been a lot of wear and tear on the ice this week. Natalie Morin, the skip for Team Alberta. Getting ready with her first rock. Canada with one in the house on the forefoot to the right of the center. Such great form by Morin. And that is going, that's going down the center line, drifting to the right just a little bit. Clearly locked on to that Team Canada rock. She's taken it out and... Her rock is also slid out of the house. Wide open game here. We've got a wide open opportunity for, Lu- for Louise Gillis and, uh, and for Team Canada, as right now there are absolutely no stones counting. Louise, your shot. Now, it's your turn. I'm up. <laughs> <laughs> Louise forgot that it was her turn. <laughs> Sometimes an artist sees the blank canvas and they, think, and they think to themselves, it's a, it's a lot to deal with. You get so involved I'm with sure, the game, you forget. I'm sure you out there in listener land have had that moment in front of a, a blank uh, Microsoft Word document and you think to yourself, well, how do I even start this? Where do I even begin? Sometimes the date is the best way to go. Right now, not a, no no... No points counting for anybody right now. So Louise Gillis has a carte blanche to do what she pleases in the house here. Her delivery is so deceptive. It's almost as if she runs up to the line and releases the rock. And you have no idea as far as the, the strength and the tempo that the rock is going to come off her stick. And yet she continues to pull off these magnificent shots. Including this one, which oh, is too moving heavy. through the house and too far past the back line. Oh, just a little bit heavy. Yeah. You almost want... Uh, you, you're, it begs some curiosity about the form that Louise Gillis uses as to whether or not there could be some sports science done about the way in which that rock is released. We've seen so much about the way that a baseball player can swing a bat or a football player can throw a ball, but to know to move with the kind of momentum she moves with Mm -hmm. and then release with such a silky smooth release. Now, Louise Gillis, or pardon me, Natalie Morin. Does she try to get behind that yellow stone that is at the top of the 12th? Mm. 
and make it and force uh, Gillis to go for the button. Gillis indeed has the hammer here. So there, again, once again, Natalie Moran is, is in a position where she can finally force a choice for Team Canada here. As this one starts off to the left of the center line. It's beginning to drift to the center. It's starting to curl. It's at the tee. She wants it to go. It's moving just by the yellow stone. Does it have enough to stick? They're sweeping. Team Canada sweeping its way out the back end. Unfortunately, the, 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 the angle and the draw, gorgeous. The weight just off ever so slightly. That was so close to being a brilliant shot. Not to mention, though, credit to the Team Canada sweeper at the back of the house, who immediately upon the opportunity to eligibility, elig- and the eligibility to sweep in the house, yep. he put his foot down and gra- grinded and grinded and grinded. Shot rock for Gillis. This is the hammer. Just has to get it into the house. That's one where you where you reflect back on all of the practicing that you've been doing, all the muscle memory you've been doing to make sure you don't put too much, but you also don't want to put too little. They're sweeping, Alberta's sweeping, and it it sticks, and that's a point for Team Canada. In the eight foot, that's another one for Team Canada. So after three ends, Canada leads Alberta three to one. We'll take a break and come back with end number four right after this. Mary Campbell has just thrown her first rock in the fourth end of the Canadian vision-impaired curling championships here in Ottawa, and her stone lands just off the center button in the eight-foot or the four-foot circle. That's right, and uh, looks like it's at about our uh, our seven o'clock. Yes, give or take. That's I think give that's or take. appropriate. Now we have uh, Lori Heisert coming up. Of course, we're uh, joined by one of one of her good friends, her guide dog Galileo, who's sitting next to us up here in the up here in the uh, the booth up here in the bird's nest. And uh, as her rocks spin, you think about Galileo and the Copernican Revolution. That's the, that word is bigger than okay. marmalade. Uh, I don't understand what you're saying. <laughs> the uh, Copernican Revolution, of course, was Copernicus uh, eventually deciding that the <laughs> Earth went around the sun and not vice versa. And, of course, Galileo, as he tried to prove Copernicus's theory, uh, got in some trouble. Dave Brown, the uh, astronomer, <laughs> along with Jim Van Horn, the slug. Uh, <laughs> My liberal arts education was uh, was not wasted. It was ready for, for curling, curling bonchpiels and curling championships. Mary Campbell getting ready with her second shot. That last shot Mary Campbell took was by far... Her best shot of the day. Absolutely. Beautiful weight and a beautiful curl. And uh, if your lead starts contributing with it, Mary Campbell uh, can contribute. It could make for a big momentum shift and swing in this very tightly contested championship game. And Mary Campbell's second shot is also a nice one, just to the right of the center line, about three feet above the house. So that's a nice guard for Team Canada. Alberta has the hammer in this end. 
Jim, Swimmin, Jim Simmons sweeping away right there to make sure that rock was placed just right. Lori Heisert with her second rock. She's had her, her problems with direction today. She's had a couple of good shots, but she struggled. There have been a number that have drifted to the right on her, unfortunately. Mandy Collins is her guide. You can hear her tapping the ice to give her the, the direction of her shot. Now this stone is starting to curl to the right a little bit. Really nice job by the sweeper, keeping a nice distance in front of it and making sure to clear the path as it curls its way towards the hog line. Just makes it over the hog line. As the, uh, as the stones are making their way towards our end here, you do notice that as they cross the hog line, they do pick up a little bit of momentum. Uh, you can see there's just a bit of speed down here for them mm -hmm. once they can get it to the hog line. So that'll be something to keep an eye on as, uh, as curlers, as this game moves along, as they try to find their touch. Of course, there's a very brief intermission between the fourth and fifth end. Uh, there will be no ice maintenance done during that time, but it's an opportunity for curlers to recalibrate themselves. Mike Vrooman is uh, the second is getting ready for his first rock. I had a little discussion with uh, Louise Gillis as to the uh, target area. She's uh, lined up on the right side, just above the T line in the 12 foot. Canada does have shot rock on the button. In this end, we've, we've gone from the Copernican Revolution to some trigonometry. As it looks like Canada's trying to set up a triangle. Oh, there you go again. <laughs> Showing off. Uh, don't ask me to do a sign function, though. That might prove to be a problem. Vrooman is curling into the center area over the T-line. Is it going to go through the house? Yes, it does. It does. Just barely. That's uh, the third straight shot where Vrooman, unfortunately, has had his shot carry through the house. I don't know if I'm quite to John D. Podesta here, but I'm trying to keep a couple of notes for the analytics of the game as we move forward here. Last year during the finals, uh, I noticed that Team Ontario actually had one of their coaches with an iPad who was tracking every single shot the team took to try and figure out their tendencies. Wow. So some of that sports science is indeed making its way into the Canadian Vision and Pair Curling Championship and across a lot of para sport in general. A few weeks ago, I had the opportunity to speak to a number of para-athletes who were talking about the investment in sports science by the Canadian Paralympic Committee. Jim Hayden with his first stone, second. This is the fourth end. Beautiful job splitting the rocks down the center line, but the weight might... Catches that stone that was on the button for Canada, knocks it out, and he is in the eight-foot Gorgeous. Behind the T-line to the right of the center line. Gorgeous, gorgeous shot. Yep. Taking aim at that stone left just off the button by Mary Campbell. But that was it was a pretty narrow window to work through between the red stone and the yellow stone on either side of the center line. And he put it right where it had to go. And now Team Alberta counting one. And Mike Vrooman looking to find his weight. Team Canada up 3-1 in the fourth end. Scored two in the first. Alberta came back with one in the second. Canada responded with one of their own in the third. A tightly contested final as we're working our way towards the halfway points. The historic Ottawa Curling Club. Yes, sir. 
It's beginning to curl, although it looks like a lot of weight again. By the Yellowstone. Is he going to catch the red? No, just missed. Missed that one by maybe two inches from uh, from my perspective up here as it just curled a little bit a little bit too much the line looked like it might have been right but it started to curl just as it entered the house and missed that red stone in the eight foot line in the eight foot circle Ruman disappointed with the turn of events here's the coach James Hayden with his second rock Sweeper working hard to get that thing to the hog line. Bruce McDonald is the sweeper. It's curling. It's coming towards the house, into the house. Has it got too much too weight? Much. That's interesting. Boy. That that shot looked like it did not have the weight to maybe even get the hog line, and the sweeping was was aggressive. And then it turned out the weight was just too much, and That's it went right. to the back of the house. It seemed to speed up after it got across the hog line, which we've seen a couple of times yes, here in this have. end. That's an adjustment that, uh, that, that may have to be made here as we know we're going to be coming to this end of the ice two more times before this, before this championship is over. Jim Simmons the third with his release. Yes. The brooms have hit the ice to start clearing some way for that stone. Looking to take out the Alberta Red Stone. He's got it. Got it. And the Yellow Stone slides across behind the T-line and just touches the 12-foot. What's interesting here is now we've created another situation where there's a Red Stone that's just across the hogland that's actually serving as something of a guard for that stone. And yet there's still space between the Red and the Yellow. That's above the hog line that uh, that could cause the, the, it, it is accessible. It's it's not dissimilar. Although although the stone that is now counting for Team Canada touching the eight and the twelve at what is R six o'clock in the house is not dissimilar to the stone that Mary Campbell left there that they were able that Alberta was earlier able to split to uh, create a knockout. Bruce McDonald releasing his rock. He's taking aim for it. It's really turning. It is turning. Just across the hog line. And laying down next to the other red guard guard rock that we saw just across the hog line that's sitting there. Still leaving that, that window open for a, for a knockout, but now leaving the opportunity for Team Canada to potentially leave more guard stones uh, in front of the house. Jim Simmons with his second rock. Canada leading 3-1 here in the fourth end. These teams have not wasted any time with this game. They're playing very, very quickly. Well, they know the banquets tonight, so they, uh, <laughs> they, they know there's an opportunity for something refreshing down the, down the end of the way. Just over the hog. The sweeping is aggressive. They're Gets aiming to get it in the house. Yellow stone. What a great shot. Phenomenal. Kissing the forefoot behind the yellow stone. It is accessible, but it's, it's going to be a difficult shot. 
it now presents a couple of different opportunities for Alberta here. If they do indeed want to knock that stone out, they can come directly at the yellow guard stone that's at about our 12.30, 1 o'clock to potentially try and attack that stone in the middle. They can try and split. They can try and draw around it. But either way, there's a, there's a lot of difficult placement shots here. It's going to take some serious talent and uh, serious focus, and you can hear the discussion on the ice right now. Bruce McDonald releases his second stone. Coming down the center line. It's starting to turn. Is he going to kiss it? Yep, he knocks it out. And the Team Canada stone is out of play, but still Team Canada lies shot rock. Team Canada continuing to count two, although the, the beauty of that shot by Bruce Campbell is now that, that, that shot rock for Team Canada is now wide open to be knocked out unless they can protect it here with their next shot. And you can be sure that Louise Gillis is going to do her utmost to set up a guard. That's right. With that shot rock being in the four-foot circle, maybe just, just barely touching the eight, it's a situation where you almost need to guard it. You can't play too aggressively here because if Natalie Moran hits the right shot here, she can once again steal a point from you on her, on her end with the hammer. Starting to curl in as it hits the hog. Beautiful rotation by the sweepers there as they analyze the angle. Now, I think... I don't think they're going to be too happy with that. No. I think they would have wanted that, that stone to be kissing the, the, the shot rock. So that stone is now touching the 8 and the 12 at about our 1 o'clock with their other stone touching the 8 and the 4 at uh, basically at our call it call it uh, 12 1203 or 1215 so there's there's now an opportunity with the right shot by Natalie Moran to knock maybe potentially both of these shots out and uh, potentially be counting although right now team canada is counting 3 so as as has been the case for most of the game they have certainly put pressure on the alberta skip natalie moran to make the big shots but that's what she's here to do certainly i think you know, when I'm, I'm looking at this from up here if she plays this the right, if she plays, if she gets any luck, if she gets any kind of luck, she could do a triple here. I don't think she's going to go for it. But <laughs> <it's, there's laughs> I don't know if we're allowed to make wagers up here, but I don't know. I don't know what kind of. I don't know what kind of odds we know we'd make on that one. I don't think they'd be very good. <laughs> that said, she could almost use those two stones as her own guard if oh, she yeah. if she drew to the button if yeah. she wanted to. And it looks like that might actually be what she's trying to do. Coming right up the T-line. It's going to have to move over a bit to get by those two red guards. But she's coming she's in. there. And Alberta now holds shot rock. Right. Coming basically at what we'll call 11.59 on the clock as the clock is facing, as, as we're facing the clock. And it's... I can't quite see what it's whether it's touching the four, whether it's it's completely in the eight. It's completely in the eight, but it's at about eleven fifty nine. This is a shot that Louise Gillis can take out, 
but uh, but definitely an incredible shot by Natalie Moran. It's very difficult to see if it, it, it appears from up here on the monitor that it is could be just kissing the forefoot. I've got my uh, telescope out here, Jim, and it looks like I'm I'm seeing some white ice between the uh, the white and the red. But again, my eyesight's not always to be trusted. Some discussion here from Team Canada as they know the importance of what this shot holds for the skip, Louise Gillis. She's moving. Is she going to take her out her own and and the redstone? Nope. It's drifting across the center line. Perfect. Now that is an interesting situation. Oh my goodness. To to my eye, it looks as though Team Canada is counting two, but the shot that Natalie Moran just put went behind went behind the button towards us directly on the six o'clock line with just a little bit of her stone touching the outer circle of the 12 foot ring jim in fact i could even give you my telescope here if you want if you want to try and get a closer view on this see look at this when they talk about universal design and assistive technology this is this is the definition of it my assistive technology is now trying to help our play-by-play guy get a closer look at this i think I think Canada is shot. I, I, I believe so, too. I yeah. believe, in fact, both of those Canada rocks at the front of the house are counting. But, uh, but now Natalie Moran's in a situation. If she whacks both of them in the exactly. middle and knocks them off, it could, it could be two for Alberta. I think that's what she's looking for. And that's where that stone is headed. It's curling. It's moving. Nope. Now... I think Canada's just stolen two. I think Canada just, I agree. I believe Canada just picked up two points here as we entered, as we ended the fourth end. Yep. Two yellow confirmed on the ice. Wow. By two. an inch. Oof. They talk about sports as a game of inches. This one almost came down to a game of millimeters. So Canada steals two to lead 5-1. After four ends, more to come from the Ottawa Curling Center after this. Welcome back to the 2020 Canadian Vision Impaired Curling Championship coming to you live on AMI-audio from the Ottawa Curling Club in Ottawa, Ontario, in the heart of Centretown. Dave Brown alongside Jim Van Horn as between the fourth and fifth end, the teams get a chance to recalibrate and take a quick break. We want to bring in our colleague, Karen McGee, who's a regional content specialist for AMI. She's been hanging around the curling club all week, getting a chance to spend time with curlers and coaches and organizers and volunteers. And Karen's also been keeping an eye on the bronze medal game. Good afternoon, Karen. It's the consolation game, Dave. Sorry, it's the consolation game. Oh, pardon me. Consolation game. I think uh, Manitoba's already established as the bronze medal. That's right. That's That's okay. Math is hard. Um, I was just watching. I told you my trigonometry. Sorry, I know, uh, I know. It's it's all a game of angles. It's like pool on ice. Um, 
So I've been watching the game over here. It is Ontario 1 versus British Columbia. And um, I'm just watching because it looked like they were about to do a measurement. I'm trying to see what number they're going to put up on the boards. I think it might be 2 that they get. BC is currently leading um, 5-2, to two, and it might be 7-2. I called it right. 7-2 now after four ends. So it's very exciting. It's been As over here, it's been some excellent curling. I've been bopping back and forth as I hear you guys get excited. I come over here and see what's going on over here. And then when I hear everybody on the other side get excited, I bop back over and see. So I've loved the curling all week. It's been fantastic. And even more so, I love the people here. Mm. We see a lot of the same people. Dave, you've been back, like you've mentioned several times before. And it's the people that I really like coming back to. You know, it's all hugs today and, you know, thanks to see you. And um, I'm very lucky I get the chance to talk to a lot of the teams one-on-one personally. And from Team Manitoba, um, at new, after they lost uh, in the semifinals today, Jennifer Moreland came back up to me and she goes, I'm really disappointed we're not in the finals because I really wanted you to tell my story. And she has a story that um, is very interesting. Um, right now in Ottawa, this is sort of a big story, but now it's about clearing ice off your truck. She, it's a big story It's everywhere. a big story. Is it everywhere? Because I know in Ottawa it's been, uh, there's yeah, somebody Toronto hit. Toronto as well. Um, so Jennifer lost her vision 39 years ago when she was driving and a chunk of ice flew off a transport in front of her oh. and it went through the windshield of her car and she lost her vision and needed extensive reconstructive surgery on her face. And, you know, it's just a reminder to everybody to please, please, please wipe the ice off your car, transports, trucks, everything. They have equipment now that transports can drive under to sweep everything off. If you have your, your home vehicles, I mean, take the time, get an extended sweeper, um, you know, I, I had an F-150, and I'm like five, one and three quarters, maybe five, two if I'm wearing heels. <laughs> and I used to get up on the, the stairwell like and, and like open the door, step up, and get the stuff off there because you don't want to be somebody hurting somebody. And it's really dangerous. There was a gentleman driving near Ottawa recently who had his child in the car, and a piece of ice fruit flew through it and he's lucky he didn't get more severely hurt he managed to pull over mm. but you know on icy days we're seeing images of people's smashed windshields and it's becoming really serious and the police are cracking down a bit on it but this is a really good reminder you know meeting jennifer and she really wants people to know like be safe on the roads. today it's storming here in ottawa we're all trying to figure out how we're going to get home good luck guys um <laughs> might be a little sketchy um but um, maybe going to Morrisburg. Yeah, you all, you all invite to my place. I got lots of room. It'll I still have an, I still have an apartment here, but uh, there's no furniture inside. That's what. That's you can stop a Canadian Tire and pick up some air mattresses, Dave. <laughs> it's very simple. You can have a boys' night. Um, but it's, just, it's a reminder, like especially in the bad weather, take time to clear off your car. It can really, really change somebody's life if you don't. Yeah, Karen, that's one of the things that does come out this week as we talk about individuals who either have experienced sight loss or uh, were born blind, learning their stories and learning about what got them playing the game and the importance of the game for a lot of them as as a social activity in the winter, as we know, uh, at least as, as I know and I experience, when the uh, winter is pretty miserable outside, that's when it can be very difficult to have a disability um, when you're not having the ability to have a car or drive yourself around, knowing you can have these occasions where you can get together and have that camaraderie uh, that just keeps you busy and lets you enjoy the season. We know how important that is. You've had a chance to see uh, the majority of the curling here this week, Karen. What, uh, you mentioned that you felt that it was a notch above what it's been in the past. What I'm finding is it's a lot more balanced. Um, usually there's a couple teams that don't do really well. Even uh, Ontario 1, who's, or I'm sorry, Ontario 2, who didn't win as many games. It wasn't that they weren't close in a lot of them. And this is, this is a game of inches. It's, we kind of joke and say it's a game of inches, but it's just everybody's out playing their best and playing their heart and making some of those shots that I it just is like, how did you make, like, I can't make, like, how mm-hmm. did you do that? Um, I'm always impressed when amateur curlers make it look like pros. Well, and these guys, a lot of the shots are the ones that pros can make. Absolutely. Karen, thank you so much. Anytime, boys. First rock of this fifth end for Mary Campbell.
Looks like it might be a little bit heavy as it makes its way to the house. <laughs> you can always tell when the sweepers are not uh, pulling out the brooms that they're uh, just hoping that something's going to catch along the way, but it looks like that one did indeed go right Sail across through. the back line. Canada leading 5-1 to one over Team Alberta. It, it just could have been my vantage point up here, but it looked like Team Canada, representing Nova Scotia, did not get off the sheets at all during the course of the break. It looked like they stayed in the room. They didn't go inside. They didn't go to warm up. And they just had a, a, a good meeting in the corner of sheet number five and uh, continued to discuss strategy. Larry Heisert, uh, Lori Heisert, pardon me, pardon me. Her first stone, uh, unfortunately, slides to the right and uh, out of play. She's had a few difficulties uh, finding the house today. And it's something that we don't, we don't necessarily want, we don't want to dwell on, and we don't want to make it sound like we're being overly critical, but it just seems that she's had a lot of trouble keeping the stone in play, mm-hmm. and uh, the, the few that she's managed to keep in play, the weight hasn't quite been right. So you just wonder um, what she can do here is this game is not over. What she can do to try and find try and find that balance and and try to uh, try to get herself back on track. And here's Mary Campbell's second rock, making its way to the house. They're sweeping it on the center line as it comes to the hog. And that goes back to the idea of correction. We saw Mary Campbell's last stone zip through the house. This time she took a little bit off of it, but this one did indeed get across the hog line. It's a few feet in front of the house uh, to our left, so at about, uh, let's call it 6.30, 7 o'clock for the uh, listener at home. Setting up a nice guard. A beautiful guard stone. Heisert with her second rock, following the directions of her guide, Mandy Collins, who's pounding the ice again. She's having problems. It just seems like it might unfortunate. Even, it just seems like it might even be a little bit of a balance issue. Yeah. As she's releasing. It seems like every time she's just slipping a little tiny bit. I wonder if that could be a footwear issue, or or maybe uh, or maybe a different set of set of track pants, or 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 something. But it just seems like at every release, her body is twisting uh, with her back foot twisting behind her a little mm-hmm. bit too far. Mike Vrooman is the second for Team Canada. He's also had a few uh, problems with, uh, with weight. Especially after the second end. He had a couple gorgeous shots in the second end, but you observed when he was sweeping that he might have just torqued a little something or had a little twist somewhere in a, yeah. in a core muscle, and it seems ever since then he's struggled with the weight. Yep. The wear and tear of, uh, of, of, three st- of three straight days, of Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, a couple of games a day, uh, it can definitely, it can definitely wear, wear some players down. Vrooman uses the uh, release stick, letting the rock go before he hits the hog line. And then he follows the, the, the rock right up to the house. And they're staying off it, no sweeping. Yeah, that's how I play mini putts. After I hit the ball, I chase the ball up the course, even as an adult. And that one right through the house. Oh, maybe not. What does the monitor? What does the monitor say there? Did that one? Did that one? It stay looks, on? Yeah, it is. It's in. It's uh, yeah. just kitchen, kissing the oh. back end of the twelve foot. Behind the tee, about uh, a foot inside the center, to the right of the center line. It's something we saw a couple times this morning in the semifinal game as well, that it looked like a rock was about to zip through the house, and right as it hit the uh, the 12-foot ring, 
at the back end, it just started to slow just that little bit, and almost as if the rock had, uh, had teeth on it, and it bit down on the ice. Jim Hayden, the coach, is playing second today because of the injury to Dave Erno. His first rock curling as it reaches the house. Across the button. And again, wait. Across the back line, yeah. No problem. That was a point of conversation we heard this morning as we were watching the semifinal with Team Alberta up here in the bird's nest that there is that risk after the after the break that maybe you start getting just a little bit heavier with the way with the way that you shoot. I don't know if it's because you go inside and you warm up a little bit or you just take that quick little break and uh, you recalibrate and and you almost you almost think that is there that little bit of a of a disruption in the way you play the game. Mike Vrooman with his second rock of this fifth end. The brooms have touched the sheets as the sweeping has begun. Trying to get that to the house. You hear Louise Gillis saying as hard as he can, as hard as he can, get those brooms on the ice and get grinding. Into the eight foot. Just to the left of the center line. A beautiful shot. A beautiful shot by Mike Vrooman, who who we noted as he took his first shot of this end, had been dealing with some struggles. And those are two shots that he just put into the house and uh, putting Team Canada in a strong position here as we're moving through the fifth end of the 2020 Canadian Vision Impaired Curling Championship Final. Second rock for James Hayden. Starting to move. Just gets by the yellow stone and is going to have a hit on the shot rock and knock it out. And now Alberta counting one. Holding shot rock. Almost in the almost in the exact position where yep. Team Canada's former stone former stone lay, sitting at about uh, sitting seemingly maybe just touching the twelve the twelve foot circle, but seemingly majorly in the eight foot circle just to the left of that center line. Louise Gillis lighting up the LED light as she's having some direction offered here to Jim Simmons. Mike Vrooman, Terry Lynn McDonald, the sweepers, they have not touched the ice. It's curling nicely to the right. Looks like it's just going to get a piece of it. And he does. Knocks the redstone out to sit shock, shot rock inside the eight foot with Canada counting two to the uh, right of the center line. You heard the dis- the instructions from Natalie Morin to Bruce McDonald. See how Bruce responds. He's also had trouble with weight today. 
He seems to have slowed down his pace just a little bit. Earlier in the match, Bruce was just letting him rip. And it uh, looked like he took just an extra moment there to contemplate the instructions from Team Skip, Natalie Morin. Starting to move. Is it going to move enough? That's the question. He's not going to hit the shot rock, but he will hit the second one. And he stays in the 12 foot at the back of the house. Not exactly the shot they were looking for, but still a positive result as that shot that had been sitting in the back of the house that was left there by Mike Vrooman earlier in the, earlier in the end could have been one of those sneaky point, uh, point rocks as they moved forward. Now they're in a situation where at the very least they know as this end moves forward, they're not going to get any kind of those cheater outside points. Not that not cheater might not be the right word, but you, you get what I'm saying. It's one of those little points that lingers I get that you. can be a backbreaker. I get you. Just being a nasty. <laughs> the nasty kind of guy that you are. Hey, we're not covering a Major League Baseball game. <laughs> <laughs> Louise Gillis firing up that LED again. She's at the almost extreme right side of the house right now. Jim Simmons, second rock. Are they trying to set up a guard for this stone? Just getting it to the button. Going through. Into the back, into the 12. That's still on the eight foot. Yes, that's indeed. Uh, that's actually indeed closer than the other rock that uh, stone that Alberta had left on the uh, twelve foot. So, at this point, Team Canada counting counting two with stones on either side of the center line, both in the eight foot ring. And Canada has shot rock. Natalie Morin lining the shot up pretty much right in the middle of the house here. There goes Bruce McDonald with the intern. It's heavy. He might get a bounce off this yellow guard rock, though. Oh, no. Curled around that. It's going to go right through the house. Right through the middle. Wow, right past the back line, right through the middle. It's remarkable watching the way those those stones curl and move. I understand the sport is indeed called curling, mm-hmm. but it is remarkable to see the way in which they drift and curl and uh, keep that speed up the whole way through. It's uh, very remarkable. I used to watch the game when I would do the audio reports at ice level, so I didn't quite always get to watch them head on like I'm watching them today. And it's uh, very, very fascinating to watch to watch the turns. Louise Gillis making her way onto the Team Canada end, getting ready for her two shots here as skip. I mentioned Team Canada had the had the hammer. They don't. My mistake. You're forgiven. There's, pl- there's plenty going on here. <laughs> we're trying to keep track of numbers, and I'm out here doing my analytics work, and it's, uh, it's difficult as we're trying to crunch the numbers. They are working that stone. Oof. 
They're getting their cardio in as it crosses the hog line. Just set up a guard. That's a good shot. Very good shot. Once again, it seems like it seems like it's been the theme of the day. The team Nova Scotia, Team Canada, has been forcing Alberta skip Natalie Moran into decisions with her first shot, not letting her dictate how the last couple stones of the of the ends are going, making her make a decision. And she's made some impeccable, impeccable shots, even with that pressure on. But we've seen that ability of Team Canada to not let her dictate the pace even when she's holding hammer. You think Natalie's going to go after this uh, shot rock in the eight foot on the right side? To my mind, that's an incredibly difficult shot. It looks like that's the shot they're lining up for. I, I almost wonder if there would have been merit of trying to attack that rock on the left side just behind the button as a, as, as a way of trying to get your stone to stop. But uh, but I I trust the uh, life philosophy is to uh, trust professionals and trust the experts and I would say that uh, she and her team are far more experts than uh, than myself. She's going for the button, drawing for the button. And you know what? I think Canada is still shot rock. It looks like that rock to the right of the button. Is that the one that yeah. we're thinking might still be still, still be shot rock? They're, yep. they're, they're probably going to have to pull out the measurement here. I don't know if they're going to do it before Louise shoots, although she was taking a very, very close look in the house there. And, hey, Louise, you want to come the other way? Want to come this way? And here comes the conversation as the, stra- as the strategy strategy conversation begins. Yeah, it looks like she's going in from the left side, aiming for that uh, stone that's kissing the uh, yellow stone at the back, the red and the and the yellow at the back 12, or yeah. the back 8, pardon me. Just another spectacular shot by Natalie Moran, even though she's not currently counting. It just presented a situation where now Louise may not be able to be as aggressive as she wanted to be. Yeah, Mike, I think so. Because e- because even if she hits that red stone that's just kissing her left uh, her yellow stone at about eleven o'clock past the button. Comes up short. Comes up significantly short. Hmm. Well, the button's open here for Natalie Moran. If she wants to just pick up a single point, the button is wide open for her to uh, to certainly count one. And as mentioned, they may have to measure to find out if that red or that yellow is shot rock that are both sitting in the eight-foot circle, though I agree with you, Jim. I uh, do believe that yellow rock for Team Canada is indeed shot rock. But it certainly, certainly looks like it from here. But certainly Natalie Moran has the opportunity now with the right shots to go at the button and even with a little bit of wiggle room here too knowing that both those, both those stones that could potentially be shot rock are uh, sitting in the eight-foot circle. There's room in the four. There's room in the button. There's a lot of room here for Natalie Moran to operate with limited, limited guard stones. The window is, is probably about th- a couple feet wide for her to work through on her way to that shot. I 
Although it looks like the strategy, based on the LED light, is they're looking to take out the yellow, the Team Canada stone in the eight-foot circle at about four o'clock. That would be the shot rock. That would be the shot rock. So, so your eyes were right, Jim. I, you, we should never be pitting my eyes against your eyes. It's... <laughs> but your common sense is... <laughs> no, she's not. She's actually going for the button. That LED light lied to us. No sweeping. Is it going to get the right bounce for her? No, it's not. Oh, it just rolled off her own other red rock. They're probably going to bust out the ruler here just for, this, just for the sake of keeping things official. But it looks as though Team Canada is counting one here. I think so. Everybody's standing around and watching. They're clearing out the clutter. Yeah, they're, they're asking. talking about measuring. Jim Sinclair, or Tom Sinclair, pardon me, is the on-ice official. If he's needed, they'll bring him out to do the measurement. In a moment like this, in a championship game, it's worth taking the extra moment to take that measurement. Nope. I think they're going to give him nope. the yellow. They're going to concede, they're just going to concede them the one point. So Team Canada takes a 6-1 to one lead through five ends over Team Alberta. But this is not over by a long shot. We'll take a break and come back with more after this break. Welcome back to the... Ottawa Curling Club and the final of the Canadian Vision Impaired Curling Championships. I'm Jim Van Horn along with Dave Brown. Uh, first rock has already been thrown by Laurie Heisert and uh, it was out of play. Uh, Mary Campbell has just thrown her first stone as lead for Team Canada. She made it over the hog line and is uh, sitting as a guard just above the uh, 12-foot circle by about 5 feet. Another reasonable shot by Mary Campbell getting things started for Team Canada. And uh, we know that a couple of these guard rocks have played an important role in a few of these ends. So we'll definitely be keeping an eye on that. Jim, we got a question uh, coming to us in the Twitter sphere from our friend Brock Richardson, host of the Neutral Zone on AMI-audio, asking about a time limit in the game, whether or not there's a time limit in uh, vision-impaired curling as there is in regular curling. And the answer is indeed yes. Uh, we talked about the pace of play earlier by Alberta uh, really moving, the, really moving the, uh, the pace quite quickly. Karen McGee has grabbed a microphone. Karen McGee, you have an answer to that question. I do. I could hear you. Um, it's 36 minutes each team has per game, and I'm, I'll run right downstairs and come back up with the report because the clocks are downstairs and how much time is left in the game, and I apologize because I meant to do that at the half. No, no, I was, I was, <laughs> I was just about to say the person we were going to send out on that task was going to be Karen McGee to have a look at that, as Karen had offered that a little bit earlier in the show. I'm on it. Nice shot by Lori Heisert while I was, while I was rambling Absolutely. away there. Sorry, Jim. She's uh, just short of the house on the left side. About oh, It appears to be about two inches short of the, uh, the 12 foot. But a, a very good shot by Lori Heisen. Her best shot of the day. Absolutely. Which is uh, great to see as, again, this game is certainly not over as we're only in the sixth end here. If she can get her game on track, it could, it could turn the tides for Alberta. Here's Mary Campbell, the lead for Team Canada in her second rock. Her first was set up a, a guard on the right side above the house. Here comes her second shot. 
might be just a little heavy here. Oh, I don't know. Cross the T line, and it is going to hold the 12 foot at the back. Oh, wow. It just had that bite again. We've seen that a couple of times from these yellow rocks today. They've clearly been going to the dentist to get in their teeth checked, and they have that bite at the back of the house. Jim Hayden is the coach of uh, Team Alberta. He's playing second today, and he's getting ready for his first throw of this sixth end. Just to bring you up to date on the time limit, Red has, uh, has Team Canada has played 15 minutes and four seconds. Yellow team, which is Alberta, has played 15 minutes and five that's remaining, I'm sorry. 15 minutes remaining for each team. So both teams uh, well past the halfway point of the game, keeping plenty of clock alive for them. But uh, certainly they may both be incentivized to play with a bit of pace here as this game goes along, which could favor Team Canada. As Lori Heisert's rock that she threw earlier has now been bumped into touching the 12-foot ring. So that rock is officially a officially shot rock. Uh, actually, it's not. There's a Team Canada rock at the back of that 12-foot oh, that is my, just a bit closer. My apologies, Jim. Once again, my eyes fail me. That's why I'm not driving home tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to actually sit up a little bit closer here so I can see the back of the house. There we go. So Mike Vrooman, the second for Team Canada, getting ready for his first shot of this sixth end. Canada is leading 6-1. They were beating, leading Manitoba 7-0 at one point in their semifinal this morning, and Manitoba came back to make it a very, very close game. So, you know, team gets a couple of breaks. The odd mistake here and there, and uh, things can turn over very, very quickly. It does put a lot of pressure on Alberta in this end to, at the very least, put a point on the board. But again, hopefully to close this gap in a significant way as there will only be two ends left after this end. But it has indeed been a nip-and-tuck game as we've moved along here. It's been uh, close right from the get-go despite the score on the scoreboard right now. Another guard set up by Vrooman. This time to the left of the center line. That rock just a little bit to the left of the center line with another yellow rock a few feet to the right of the center line, seemingly creating a window for Jim to attack this yellow stone at the back of the house. But it will still take a good shot with the right weight to make that work. Not touching the ice. Now it's starting to move. Drifting past the hog line. Into the house. Catches the 12 to the 8. And the 4 foot. Almost a perfect shot. Just a little tiny bit of that rock touching the button as well. Mm -hmm. Very, very nice shot. Vrooman taking a look and uh, getting guidance from Louise Gillis as far as the target is concerned. Louise Gillis, all business down there. doing something that uh, my dad used to do for me on the golf course, which was basically be a big target where the hole was supposed to be, where I was supposed to be aiming, which is always uh, very helpful. 
Isn't that dangerous? A little bit. <laughs> Did you ever hit him? No. <laughs> he's, got good, he's, got, he's got good instincts. Here comes Rubens. Second rock. Right down the center line. Yeah, it's on the front rock. Drifting. Probably not quite the shot that Team Canada was looking for there. Nope. Moran's calling for a guard from Bruce McDonald. Alberta knows with the hammer here, they can try and protect that one stone and try to sneak in a second stone later. The importance of laying down that guard, that guard rock, but... We'll see if that'll find that'll find the spot they're looking for. Starting to turn, working it approaches the hog. Just makes it over the hog line. Still leaving window there for yep. Team Canada to attack that stone. It's just touching the button, but mm -hmm. it it limits the angle the Team Canada can take. It looks like the possibility of attacking that stone straight is no longer in play. They're going to have to go from their left to right, our right to left, as the house is in front of us, directly beneath us. Jim Simmons accepts the challenge. He's got the intern on that rock. few times today Jim Simmons has had those shots that have absolutely starting to come oh, oh just kisses the red stone is that one going to stay in the house it's being swept it's being swept it does it oh just barely back at the 12 foot just barely at the back of the 12 foot in the back of the house so Alberta has shot rock in the four foot Two stones for Canada on the 12 foot at the back. And Alberta having one stone that's also sitting there at the 12, but it looks like that'll be uh, a moot point barring absolute apocalypse in the house. Jim McDonald. Looking for that one to move in, to curl in. Trying to guide that one back towards the center line. Trying to get it across the hog line. It's not going to get there. The weight just wasn't there. Nope. That's one of those moments anyone playing any sport knows about that feeling when you're just trying to get, when you're trying to aim something versus just letting your skill go through the throwing. You hear that in football all the time with quarterbacks trying to aim the throw versus just making the throw. Exactly. And I think that's what happened right there that Bruce McDonald was thinking too much about the final placement of that stone and not enough about the weight that he needed. That's got to move over. Across the hog line, starting to move in. It's coming. It's coming. Knocks the red stone out, catches the 12-foot, so Canada... 
has three stones in play. It looks like to, to my at eye, at least two. To my eye, they certainly have two. There probably would have to be a measurement on those on those other on the red stones in the front right qua- the front left quadrant of the house versus the back right quadrant of the house. Right. Uh, there there would definitely need to be a measurement on that one if uh, there's no other shot rocks played here by by either team. Now that said. Depending as to where things go here, knowing that Alberta does indeed have the hammer in this particular... Oh, no, pardon me. Uh... Oh, no, Canada has the hammer here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this, this could actually be a, a huge situation for, for Canada. If they could put multiple points on the board here, that could almost put the touches on this one but we'll but we'll see here as Natalie Moran has made some incredible shots all day for Alberta first rock of this sixth end for Natalie Moran of Alberta trailing 6-1 in this final at the Ottawa Curling Club Looking for the 12 to the 8. Across the tee, and that's 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 a shot that's officially counting. Shot for, rock. Yeah, that shot rock for Alberta. They're going to try to take that out. It's a big target. This, this is a big target for Louise Gillis. There is... There is a yellow stone at the front of the house, about five feet in front of the house, that she's going to have to work around to get a piece of this stone. This red stone that is now shot rock in the back right corner of the house. But it's definitely accessible. Mm-hmm. And we know with a curler with the touch of Louise Gillis, we have faith in her ability to get there. It's starting to move. Still. Is it going to move enough? It's coming. Is it's, I think it's going to miss it. It is. Uh, she knocked her own her own stones out. She's firmly ensconced in that twelve in that twelve foot in that twelve foot spot. And now the the world is at Natalie Moren's disposal here. She can try to pull two points away here if uh, she can plant the right shot, or at the very least force Louise Gillis into a situation where she can only choose one with her hammer with her hammer rock this is when the chips are down in a championship game Natalie Moran still looking for her first ever title at the Canadian Vision Impaired Curling Championship. This is a big, big throw. She's caught the center line. Oh, that's got to go. Across the hog line. It's got to go. 
Canadian brooms on the ice sweeping. So right now, the, the, as of this point, it looks as though Alberta is counting two. Yes. To my naked eye, it looks like Alberta is counting two. I think you're right. But Louise Gillis, with the hammer, with the last rock of this end, has a clean shot at the button if she wants it. Natalie Moren's shot is in the outer part of the eight-foot ring. So there's a lot of geography for Louise Gillis to work with here with the last shot of this end. It's starting to come. It's going to work around the red guard rock. It's across the hog line. Might be too much. Might be too much. It is. Yes. Alberta picks up two. A very gritty end. Well played by both teams. Six ends. Canada leading by a score of six to three. No quit from Alberta. More to come from Ottawa after the break. Welcome back to the Ottawa Curling Club in the final of the Canadian Vision Impaired Curling Championship. Alberta is trailing Team Canada 5-4 to four as we head into the seventh end of this final. Mary Campbell, the lead for Team Canada, releasing her first rock of the seventh end. Lori Heisert is already thrown, and she is uh, at the top of the 12-foot right on the center line so all of a sudden her game has really come around in the critical moments her, it's since they took that break uh, between the 4th and 5th end Lori Heisert has really started to find her game piece by piece Mary, Mary Campbell. Campbell has just thrown up a guard in front of that red stone she's about uh, 3 feet in front of it on the center line And here comes Lori Heisert with her second rock. Again, it looks like she's found her balance a little bit. Those, yeah. those rocks are coming out much smoother, and uh, they're not drifting as far to the right. You can hear her team encouraging her on, saying that was another beauty. And this is, looks like, it looks, this is looking like a great shot. It is indeed a great shot. Just kisses her other stone. That's the perfect example of what sports psychologists talk about regressing to the mean. Even when you're playing your worst game to start off the afternoon, it means that you have to just keep up your style, keep working on your game, and allow yourself to come back to what your natural abilities are. We all have bad days, and every now and then you can find your way back to the mean. And that's what Lori Heisert has done here in the second half of this championship final. And here's the second stone for Mary Campbell of Team Canada. Her first stone landed just short of the house. And her second is working hard to get across the hog line, but it's not going to make it. Just to bring you up to date in the consolation final, BC defeated Ontario 11-2. They decided to uh, shake hands after five ends. 
seems reasonable. Seems reasonable to me. Uh, Ontario had already played a game this morning to uh, to work their way into this consolation game, so they were probably uh, they were probably happy to call it an afternoon and uh, get ready for the banquet tonight. There's the coach Jim Hayden playing second for Alberta today in this final, in place of the injured David Earl. Stone starting well out to the right, hoping it's going to come back, and it's starting to move. It's across the hog line. Kisses the other red stone and knocks it back to the eight-foot circle. At, at this point, Alberta counting three early in this seventh end. And that uh, red stone at the back, behind the tee... Team Canada now finding themselves in a situation where they need to uh, begin contemplating what it is what it is they want to do, which ones they want to start targeting here. There, there's not going to be a lot of room for error, as they certainly don't want to find themselves going from a from a big lead into a situation where they're chasing the game going into the eighth end. You can really feel the tension. Oh yeah the the birds the birds nest up here has become quiet, uh, quite quiet, mm-hmm. and even even on the ice, the chatter is uh, very much focused on the game right now. Here's Mike Vroman, the second with his first stone, almost taking aim at his own yellow stone there in the front of the house. Oh. Takes out the front red stone and then moves over and is now in the 12 foot by the T line on the right. But Alberta is still shot rock in the 8 foot, the back left. That was one of those interesting shots, though, that knocked out some of the clutter. And once you get some of the clutter, it allows you to start making those precision shots as the end comes, as the end nears its close. Second stone for Jim Hayden. Looking for the left side of the house. Creates a tight window for the sweeper. But they found the hog line. Sets up the guard. Trying to protect that red stone at the back. That shot rock on the eight-foot line mm-hmm. in the back in the back left corner of the house is is definitely is definitely well protected now. This is where that clock management from earlier in the game comes into play, where we saw Karen checked in on the clock just a few moments ago, seeing that they'd spent more, both teams had spent over half their available time during the course of the game. We'll now, uh, we'll now see how much time Team Canada has to strategize here. They need to be efficient as they uh, work their way through towards the end of the game, even though we're close to the end. Mm-hmm. These shots are all important now.
Alberta trailing 5-4, but has shot rock. We're in the seventh end. Fruman with his second rock. Sweepers are on it. it. Looks like he's trying to take out that guard. And he's done just that. So he's opened a pathway to that red stone at the back in the eight foot. It's a well done shot. It's a very well done shot. <laughs> and now, and now the game of uh, of assembling and disassembling begins. Let's build the wall. Let's take the wall down. Build the wall. Take the wall down. As uh, we know that now, when we're talking about grappling for single points, can mean the difference to a tied game going into the last end. Team Canada has ten and a half minutes left. Alberta eight minutes fifty seven seconds. Here's Jim McDonald looking to set up another guard. It's heavy. The consensus was that one was heavy. It's gliding. It's gliding into the house. And to kissing the eight foot. More on the 12 than the 8, but it's right on the tee, just to the right of the tee. And that, oh, pardon me, the center line. And to my eye, that would be a counting stone if the end uh, were, to, were to end right here. You are correct, sir. And it's sitting nicely behind a couple of yellow stones that are kissing each other. So that's actually a pretty tough stone to get a piece of right now if you're Team Canada. That's a shot that we thought was maybe a little bit heavy, did not quite do what they expected with the guard. But it might have actually been serendipitously a pretty good shot. A fortuitous mistake. A fortuitous mistake. Sometimes we fail upwards in life. (laughs) Jim Simmons with his first rock. Sweepers are on it. It looks trying to move in. It's starting to curl. It's working its way towards the house. Just gets by the red rock. And that's now shot rock. On the button. What a great shot. That was just a remarkable shot. It's, it shouldn't be a surprise, of course, as we are in the championship game. We're in the championship final, so we'd expect these kinds of high-level shots coming from these players. But that was just spectacular. And this was something we saw with Team Canada in the semifinals earlier today when it looked like Manitoba was closing the gap. Team Canada was able to make shots late in the game to, to be the difference, to hang on to that big lead. So the pressure, once again, is on Alberta. And Bruce McDonald with his second rock. Again, that's heavy. Starting to work back. Just over the hog line. A little bit of frustration there mm-hmm. at ice level. Mm-hmm. 
now you're really seeing the players knowing that the clock is running low on them. They're zipping up and down the sheets to make sure they'll have time in the eighth end to uh, properly strategize. Second rock for Jim, John, pardon me, Jim Simmons. Looking for a big curl on this one. Sweepers are laying off. It's starting to come around. Yeah, just letting the stone do its thing. Oh, that gorgeous. Be too heavy. Oh. oh, my goodness. It, it wasn't clear if he was taking aim at that red stone in the back left corner of the house. At, for just a moment, it looked like he was going to nick it and get his stone to stop on the 12-foot line, but it just kept curling, missed it by a couple inches, and then looks like it, uh, it went, out the back, went over the back line. These are, these are the kind of shots that Isaac Newton would be jealous of. <laughs> Forget apples falling from trees. He wants to see stones curling on the ice. Natalie Morin taking her time with this one. She knows this might be the biggest shot she's had of the entire tournament. And I, I feel like we've said that almost every single end. This is the biggest shot she's felt the entire tournament. But you can... Ah, she stops at the hog line to talk strategy just a little bit there. Or at the front line to stop, talk strategy... This is maybe the biggest shot she's ever taken at a Canadian Vision Impaired Curling Championship with her decade of experience at the championship. 5-4, Alberta trails. but the silence is deafening. She wants that to curl in. It's starting to move. It's the hog line. She's almost willing it. She's willing it with the way she's moving her feet. Goodness gracious. I think Canada's still shot rock. This is one of those situations where I'm not even going to trust my naked eye, Jim. Well, if you look at the Yellowstone, is more in the circle than the red. Oh, yes, absolutely. That Yellowstone more in the button than yep. the red stone. Karen McGee coming in to verify with her set of eyes. Karen says yellow. Karen says yellow. Got to go with Karen. When Karen says yellow, we go yellow. For Louise Gillis here, what do you what do you do? What do you do, Jim? What, oh boy! What do you what do you do? Do you try to set up a guard? Do you try to take aim? There's there's almost no shot you can make that's going to assure you any more points here. The problem is if you get too close to the red rock that's on the button, that sets up a, a, a major takeout for for Alberta. So mm -hmm. I think what she's going to try to do is possibly set up a guard. Right here, guys. It seems like yes, your prediction right. is precisely right on points. Let it go, let it go, let it go. Over, girl. 
can't quite get a good look right now. Human body's in the way. Yeah, she's uh, maybe a little too far to the right, but I think it's going to be difficult. That's going to be a tough shot. She's, once again, as we've talked about, every single end put the pressure on Natalie Morin with Natalie Morin's last rock of the end. There is room. There is room to curl that rock from left to right to get it towards the button. There's also room to, as she was pointing out, to go after the red rock on the 12 foot on the outside of the 12 foot to hit it and knock it into the Yellowstone on the button. Possibly. That's almost one of those billiard shots yep. where you're just looking for that angled, that diagonal towards the corner pocket. Oof, they're both very difficult shots, though. But that's what they're aiming for, Jim. You're absolutely right. They're going to take a look at the red rock in the 12-foot circle at about 5 o'clock mm-hmm. to clip it on the outside and send it to those two stones that are in the that are basically both touching the button. If they do this right, they could potentially count three points on this. If they do this, if if Natalie Moran does this right, this could be a monster monster shots. This could, if they do it right, they, they could potentially be four. Maybe even five with that with that other with that other stone in the in the back. Oh my goodness, this is just a huge shot. Here she comes. This could be the shot of her life. A lot of weight. It's one where you don't want to fall short. And you don't want you want it to curl. It's gotta move. Human bodies. One yellow so far. far. She didn't do it. She didn't quite get there. She didn't quite get there. Timeout's been called by Louise Gillis. So Canada still shot rock. Looks like there's a bit of confusion about the timeouts, but it's been reported that once you've called the timeouts, you that's got it. Timeout? You've called it. No, no take backs once you've once you've called that timeout. I suppose they're discussing. Is there a way to pull a second point out here, or do you just burn the stone? Do you just burn the stone, say you chuck it out, say we're taking our one point. Oh, no talking, just shooting. And, and burned it anyway. Take, take your, take your two-point lead into the last end of a championship game. And they do pick up the one point. 6-4 lead at the end of seven. One end left to go, Jim. The championship game. Let's go to break. At the 2020 Canadian Vision Impaired Curling Championship on AMI.
to the eighth and we go of the Canadian Vision Impaired Curling Championships from Ottawa at the Ottawa Curling Club. First stone from Mary Campbell has just made it across the hog line and it is settling in in a guard position just to the right of the center line and right behind her uh, uh, Dysart is already set to throw hers. They are not wasting any time. They are running short of time. Not a moment to be wasted nope. here. And this one's for all the granite. Canada leading 6-4. And hear the tapping of her guide. Setting up the shot for Lori Dysert. Or Heisert, pardon me. Started to drifting to the right. Is it going to hit the bumper? Yes. It's out. Yes, it hit the bumper. Not quite the start Alberta was looking for in this critical eighth end, needing two for the tie or three for the win as Team Canada out of Nova Scotia looking for a back-to-back championship in this tightly contested final, the Canadian Vision Impaired Curling Championship. Mary Campbell with the assistance of her guide, Sydney Francis, getting ready for her second shot. You can hear him chanting her name as she comes forward for the release. Good-looking shot. Very good-looking shots. Yes, mine. The brooms have touched the ice, and the sweeping commences. Right down the center line. Into the house. Eight foots, touching the four. It's more in the four than the eights. That's a great shot. Very, very good shot. Right at the T-line as well. semi-protected as well. That's definitely the start Team Canada was looking for in this critical eighth end when all the chips are down for all the granite. You can see Natalie Morin trying to give Lori Heisert some guidance. She struggled with her release throughout the course of the day. She's had some great shots. That's a good one. It seemed in the second half of this game, Lori was really starting to find her shot. And they need, they need this one to roll down, and they need, it to, they need it to get somewhere where they can use it. Is that going to make They're the hog? They're fighting for the hog line right now. The three brooms on the sheets. Just touching the hog line, but uh, unfortunately not did not get across. Setting up another guard. Yeah, looking for another guard. Mike Vroom in here shooting for Team Canada. Multiple-time champion in this tournament, both for Team Ontario, for a rink out of Simcoe, Ontario, but also for Team Nova Scotia last year. He's no stranger to these moments, Jim. And even though he struggled with his weight a little bit throughout this match, this could be the moment where he lays down the shot that uh, could make all the difference for Team Canada representing a rink out of Nova Scotia. He does the walking delivery with his stick. That means he excuse me, he walks to the line and then releases the rock. One of the great innovations of this game that has allowed so many more people to play. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. When we talk about the accessibility of a game, 
knowing there's different ways to adapt the sport and using the right equipment to be inclusive makes all the difference. Pretty good weight. It's coming into the house. Is it going to bite? Is it going to bite? 8, 12. Back of the house. Back of the house. On the 12 foot to the right of the center line. I think they were looking for a guard. Uh, did not quite get the guard they were looking for there. That said, there is a little bit of symmetry to the three yellow stones. The two, the one in front of the house, the one just touching the, or just inside the four-foot ring, and now Mike Vrooman's on the 12-foot ring. There is a bit of an angle there that, that could work to their advantage. Jim Hayden with his rock. Starting to, the, starting to our left. Natalie Morin was asking for him for weight to the back of the house. Starting to curl in over the hog, cross the center line. To the 12, and it kisses the yellow stone. And it looks like the red stone is shot rock. Yes, yeah, it is. Yes, we've we've played this game before, though, and we were uh, our eyes were slightly off. But it both those the both that red rock and that yellow rock looking close. But I am inclined to agree with you that red rock is indeed shot rock in the uh, forfeit line. Although uh, we'll have to wait for official consideration on that one because last time last time we were duped. Another opportunity here for Mike Vrooman. At what point here, Jim, do you start considering the possibility of just playing defensively? Saying we've got the two, we've got the two-point advantage here. We just play defensively. Well, to you've, got, our lead. you've got to get the shot rock out of there first before you start thinking of defense. Mm. Starting to turn. This one might be too much, though, Jim. Oh, I don't know. Yep. Goes to the back. Knocks one yellow out. Now the other yellow is kissing the eight foot. That, uh, that was the rock that Mike had previously left in the 12 foot ring at the back of the house. There is some room here for Alberta to, to potentially improve their position here with another shot rock. Jim Hayden with his second rock. Hoping for it to move, curl into the right. It's got to come. It might be heavy. Looks like it's going to fly through the house. Although it did indeed hit Mike Vrooman's rock and stayed on that outside that outside 12-foot ring. So Alberta keeps shot rock, and they do indeed have the hammer in this particular end, in this decisive eighth end of the 2020 Canadian Vision Impaired Curling Championship. pressure. You can feel it. It's palpable. Jim Simmons is the third. Getting his wits together. Deciding on the shot. 
He's in conversation with Mike Vrooman. While Louise Gillis stands with the target, they've called timeout. Call timeout, yes. They're all moving towards the house to talk strategy. The moment is lost on no one, either up here in the bird's nest or down at ice level. They're having a a huddle behind the house. While Team Alberta has moved them away, moved away to give themselves some privacy. These are the moments, all the rec league games, all the nights in your individual curling club, all the regional championships, provincial championships. This is a culmination of a year's work for these teams. And it's not lost on them, the importance of these next few shots as we're down to just a few rocks left. Jim Simmons will be throwing for Team Canada. We're in the seventh end, Canada leading six to four. Alberta is shot rock. Louise Gillis is set up on the left side of the house in the eight-foot circle on the T-line. Several times in this match, Jim Simmons has turned the tide of ends when Team Canada was in trouble. We'll see if he's got one more rabbit in his hat. He's got the intern on the rock, and it's starting to move. I think he's looking to either hit the red or just kiss it. It's coming across. The weight looks good. Yes. Canada now holding shot rock. Yep. It's a fine shot. Very fine shot. A shot, certainly, that Team Alberta can take aim at. Natalie Moran's already encouraging her teammates to come down and have a look at the shot that they are going to try and make here as there is an open window to make contact with what is now shot rock. Jim Simmons' last shot that sits in the house. Jim McDonald making his way down. That's uh, Bruce McDonald, actually. Sorry. There's there's a lot of Jims involved. There's a lot of Jims involved today. Kind of feels like when you hang out with me and my friends, there's a bunch of Daves involved. It's hard, <laughs> it's hard to keep things, keep things in order. I used to work with years ago, suggested a good name for a radio person would be Gymnasium. <laughs> Mr. McDonald is making his way <laughs> And these are the these are the times when when you don't want to rush it, but you also don't want to get out of your routine. You don't want to get out of your typical flow. And after a long week of competition, those extra 
laps up and down the ice. They add up. Calling for the outturn, and he wants to kiss the Yellowstone in the forefoot that is shot. Here it comes. Even that bounce is going to be difficult, though. Big weight. It's got to move a little bit. There's the curl. There's the curl. Perfect. Alberta's now shot rock. And to my eye, they're counting two. But uh, again, my eye is not always the most reliable. That's, that's a very, very close call, that one. In a game that's this close to, remarkable. In an end where there's a two-point lead in what could be the final end. If not, we're going to overtime. Second rock for Jim Simmons. He's got the center line. It's starting to move. Definitely coming across. He's going to make contact. Is he going to get his rock close enough? No. Alberta counting one. I'm not going to say that's the, the best case scenario for Team Canada, but knowing they have the lead and knowing that Alberta has the hammer... So when it goes back to that that style of do you want to play aggressively or do you want to play defensively with just yep. a few stones left in this game and a two-point lead? What a matchup we've seen this afternoon. It's been what great. an incredible it's matchup really we've seen this terrific. afternoon. Last year, the semifinal kind of stole the show and the, unfortunately the final was a bit of a one-sided affair. Not the case today, as both these teams are just delivering shot after shot, putting the pressure on one another. Oh, they need another one from Bruce McDonald here. They sure do. And here it comes. Starting to come. Is it coming enough? And now, Alberta appears to be lying too. It's going to be. It's going to be close. It's going to be close. I do see a yellow rock in the eight-foot ring, which is maybe just touching the four. The one behind the, the red rock there. Yes, but I think... The, oh, you're right. You're right. So, so they're lying one. They're lying one, but there's there's definitely room, knowing that they have the hammer, to take, to take a big shot here. Louise Gillis making her way back to grab her delivery stick. 
the same way we've been saying that Natalie Moran's been taking some of the big shot, the biggest shots of her curling career. Louise Gillis is about to feel the same pressure, knowing that she's looking at the possibility of back-to-back championships. And right now, it's all on her hand and her delivery stick. And here it comes. A lot of weight. It's going to curl across that center line. Is that going to make contact with anything? No. Is it going to hit the red stone? Yes. Oh. Interesting observation from some Team Alberta fans sitting to our right. That shot, although making contact with the red stone, may have knocked a Team Canada stone that previously would have been counting, that would have been uh, touching the red four-foot circle into a situation where it's now out of that four-foot circle, and Alberta may be counting two. Uh, Although there's going to have to be some serious measuring going on as we're looking at one stone just across the center line in the eight-foot circle and a yellow stone just across the T-line. An uneducated guess would indicate to me that Alberta is line two. The one at the top of the uh, eight-foot and the one to the right kissing the uh, four-foot. I think that those two red stones are closer than that second yellow of Team Canada. And this is where Natalie Moran all of a sudden has the chance not just to worry about getting two to tie the game. She may be able to put the right shot in place here to outright win the game. It's starting to move to the center line. going to clear her own stone in front. So, one stone left. One stone left for Louise for Louise Gillis. One stone left for Team Alberta. To, to my eye, Alberta is at least counting two. Possibly counting three. This is... Very tense. There's obviously one red stone that's in the front of the house just to the left of the center line, which could be a very strikeable target for Louise Gillis here. And with the right bounce, she might be able to sort of tuck the... Might be able to... To to tuck the... To tuck her shot in. But it's, it's going to be difficult. I think she's going after the red that is on the right side that of the forefoot. The brooms have hit the ice. We've got uh, extra sweepers. Yeah, they've got to work it to get it in there. Then the 12, it's in the 8. Oh, boy. Goodness. I don't know. Gracious. Natalie Moran still having one stone available. Hey, 
Alberta calling timeout. It, it looks it looks to me that certainly Alberta has two counting. To my eye, it looks that Alberta has two counting that are both well protected in what is the right side of the house to us, the left side of the house to them. If they if, if Natalie Moran wants to take a crack at the button here or some kind of draw, they could win the game out right here. Or could burn the stone and just go to overtime. The risk is if she takes that aggressive shot with all these yellow stones that are just hovering around the four-foot ring, she might end up blowing up her own chances. Here's the shot that's going to de- that could determine everything. Final stone for Natalie Moran and Team Alberta trailing 6-4 in the seventh end to Team Canada. Here we go. She's working it right to left. She's going to kiss it to knock it back. I think she's got it. Yes! I think she's got it. There are three red rocks touching the four-foot ring. She did it. She did it. Wow. Natalie Moren with an incredible eighth end, overcoming a two-point deficit, scoring three points with the last throw of the game for her first Canadian vision-impaired curling championship. Jim, what a performance. 40 years she's been in the curling, sport of curling, 20 years as a skip. She's been at this tournament for 10 years. She's never won it until today. What a great performance for Natalie Moran and Team Alberta coming from behind. A 6-4 to four deficit to pull off a spectacular win here in Ottawa. That's just unbelievable. That was poetry. That was absolute poetry. It was total magic. That shot had the finesse and the power. Perfection by Natalie Moran. What an incredible game. What an incredible performance all around. Hugs around on the ice for the players. And an emotional display in this 2020 Canadian Vision Impaired Curling Championship. Incre- I'm, I'm floored. It was, it was incredible. <laughs> it was spectacular. What a, what a wonderful way to spend an afternoon here in Ottawa. Watching these fine athletes participate in the, the final of the uh, Canadian Vision Impaired Cur- Curling Championship at the historic Ottawa Curling Club. Uh, Alberta and Team Canada. Team Canada, the defending champions from Nova Scotia and Alberta looking at... They've been so close so many times and not been able to pull it out until today. And they are going home champions. Jim, a storybook ending for a team that won the round robin this year, got off to a bit of a slow start here in the finals but managed to find their way through the second half of this game, overcoming what at one point was a 5-1 deficit, slowly but surely grinding their way back into this game until eventually making the shot they needed in the final end with the final stone for a gold medal win. 
Dave Brown, thank you very much. It was a pleasure working with you Jim, today. Hopefully we get to do it again sometime I soon. I certainly hope so. We will talk to you soon. Thank you very much for joining us. So long from Ottawa. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca. Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider. Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts. Join me every couple weeks for the Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther podcast, where we learn about outdoor tech and tips. Plus, we look at news affecting the environment. AMI's Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther is available from your favorite podcast provider. Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts. I'm Margaret Shepherd of the AMI podcast, Tripping On Air. Every month, my co-host Alex Hajar and I spill the tea on what it's really like to live with MS. Watch Tripping On Air on YouTube or download wherever you get your pods. The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts. Hello, I'm Sean Priest. Join me monthly for Sean of the Shed, where I introduce you to all the technology that can be so useful to us as blind or partially sighted people. Find Shaun of the Shed wherever you find all your podcasts. Hi, I'm Stephen Scott. Join me every day for Double Tap. It's a show where we occasionally talk about technology for blind and partially sighted people. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts.